Hey, you ever needed something for your home but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it? You can do that at Aaron's. Yep, you can rent to own appliances like washers, dryers, or refrigerators, furniture for your living room or bedroom, even tech. Plus, Aaron's has great brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. Life's always changing. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. So check out your nearest Aaron's store or visit Aaron's.com to see what I'm talking about. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. You got to see your local store for details. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk of experiencing an electrical blackout. You could be one of them, sitting in the dark and cold for hours, for days, maybe even weeks. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. These things are sweet because this generator has double the capacity and is expandable. Go to 4patriots.com slash meat eater to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4patriots.com slash meat eater. I've been telling you about how we are big fans of Tacova's boots. Heritage, tradition, quality, comfort, style, and service are some of the best features of Tacova's. But now... They also have a gift for our listeners. Tacovas will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps free with a minimum purchase of $100 at tacovas.com. Just use code MEATEATER at checkout. That's MEATEATER at tacovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. Point your toes west and again, free trucker hat or ball cap with a minimum purchase of $100. Tacovas.com. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug bitten, and in my case, underwearless. Meat Hunt, the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. So, Yanni, there you are. The clock's ticking. You, uh, you just can't get it done. You got an evening hunt, a morning hunt left. No, I can hunt tomorrow evening. Possibly another evening, but you just can't get it done. If if we don't kill one tonight, you probably won't see me tomorrow. I don't care what my responsibilities are. I'll just be in the woods. You just can't get one. Meanwhile, I've gotten two turkeys. Mm -hmm. Doug's gotten two turkeys. Is that really how you're going to paint this? I feel like you're being a little, little harsh on me right well, now. Well, I, I haven't gotten into the details yet. Okay. I'll come to your rescue, Yanni. I wouldn't yeah. Have, I, wouldn't I was have. trying to make, for the, for the listener, I was trying to paint like a dramatic, you know what I mean? Like drama. Mm. Coming down to it. No, yeah. I'll like feel, I was trying I'll, to make no. like a dramatic so people at home yeah. right, were like, oh, my God, Yanni. And What's they'd get all do? excited and worried. Pulling for you. And yeah. then they'd have an enhanced listening experience. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. <laughs> let me ask you this. Has the Sorry thought for messing that up to has the listener. The thought entered your mind. Are you starting to grapple with the idea that you may not fill your turkey tag? No, not at all. Your Wisconsin Zone One Season C turkey tag. Not at all. Because this morning, at daylight, we were exactly halfway through our hunt. 
We had four days this morning when I started. I had two left. A lot of hunting left to do. So I'm not too worried. Tomorrow at about this time after the morning hunt, if I'm still gobbler less, then I'll, I'll be sweating it a little bit. Okay, now the second thing is, have you um, are you, have you entered into Jake time yet? Yes. Now, uh, a Jake is a is a one year old male turkey. Yeah, maybe not even quite. Well, a year he's old. a Jake when like when you're hunting the spring season, right? Yeah, you might be catching them at eleven months of age. Okay, depending on how the season falls. Like generally, spring turkey seasons are comprise portions of april portions of may a pretty if you're going to average out spring turkey hunting i think you'd probably wind up like you know like most turkeys in the country are killed between like april 1 and may 10 or something yeah mid-may um so the turkey uh a male that's born one spring once his egg hatches and he is in his first spring, he's got a little teeny, teeny beard, which is the, it's a feather that grows out of their chest. Now, a big rope dragger like the one I got will have a, a, a beard that's 12 inches long. But a Jake will have a little dinker beard that's anywhere from three quarters of an inch to about five inches. The one I got was about five inches. Yeah, Doug shot like a big stomper Jake. Power Jake. Power Jake. Power Jake, yeah. Um, EJ. The other thing is a Jake. So so uh, years ago, I was in the Philippines, and I went to see cockfights. And, you know, the, the, the chicken fights with his spur, right? When you hear of a cockfight, what they do is they enhance the spurs with these big, long sickles, these big, long stainless steel razor sharp sickles that they strap onto his feet so he can spur his opponent and kill him uh that's a spur so turkeys have spurs but jakes just have a little nubbins a little nub that looks like the tip of your pinky and then did your uh, a big giant rope dragger like the one i got but sometimes jakes don't have any bumps even right Does no you- they always have a mark where it's a gonna bump. grow they have a little pebble Mm. The one I got, the Jake I got today, um, had a little didn't it had a little nubbins, not as big as Doug's of the nubbin, not as big as Doug's nubbin. Doug's nubbin was like a half inch nubbin. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking as turkey nubbin. On a platter. <laughs> oh man! So <laughs> Doug's nubbins was remarkably bigger. Than the nubbins on my Jake, but now I got two turkeys. Um, I'd like to say twice as many as Yanni, but I don't know. When someone has zero, I don't know how to do like yeah, because you have, have one. It defies mathematics to talk about how many more I have than him. But my big rope dragger had spurs that you could that once a turkey is like three years old. That spur will be, it'll, it'll get a hook to it. It gets very sharp on the end. And it'll get where you could hang that son of a bitch and turkey up from a ledge off his hooks. But there's great variance in that. Yes. From, uh, I think, well, probably uh, a lot of factors. 
but uh, what they're eating, their diet, certainly, you know, how much they're growing. And then <clears throat> the, the country, kind of ground they're walking they're on. They're walking on. Yeah. Explain that. In the, in the mountains where it's rocky, um, like those mountain marians we're hunting, they, you rarely get one that has those nice big curved. Because uh, he's, he's scraping them off. Or you kill Turks that have the spurs busted, which I've killed. I've killed mm-hmm. broken, busted, spurred Turks. But in this fertile uh, farm country, deep, rich, loamy soil, they, they have pristine spurs, or as Yanni calls them, hooks. Um, years ago, for the missus, I, I took a hacksaw and hacksawed off some, I can't remember where I killed this turkey. I hacksawed off the spurs, and they were black like 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 rhino ivory. Is rhino ivory black? It's what I imagine rhino ivory to look like <laughs> is what these look like. Black, beautiful, like black pearls. Okay, hacksawed them off, then took them to a jeweler. In fact, the same guy that I bought uh, her wedding ring, that you know the. I guess you call it a wedding ring. That I bought her wedding ring from. Took them to him and had him take those little pieces that they set gemstones in for earrings and had turkey spur earrings made. And she wears them. And uh, a lot of people have no idea what they're looking at. They think it's teeth or something like that, but it's those turkey spurs. Beautiful earrings. How big were the ones you cut off for her? For those earrings? Yeah. Big fatties. Like big mambo jambos. So like an inch plus spur is a big ass spur. And they get sharp. Like if you walk up, uh, the spurs can be so sharp. If you walk up, like when you first hit a turkey in the head, um, his like, he's dead. Like his life force has left him. But if, if you, you know, really clobber him in the head with a shotgun, but they do a lot of jumping around. Um, and, a lot of people get injured from those spurs by running up to grab that turkey because I want to grab it by the foot and catch that spur, and it'll hook you. Is that a badge of honor in, in turkey hunters? No, I think that's a badge of stupidity <laughs> in turkey hunters. A the badge spur scar. Of stupidity. Stand on its neck for a while is the better thing to do. Yeah. I, one time, my, I was hunting bears with my brother Danny, and we beached our boat and went up, and, and he shot a bear. And I was worried about the boat getting beached by the tide, and I ran in after the bear, and I thought that I'd come out, and he'd be like, man, that was badass the way you ran in after that bear. And he goes, that was foolish. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's a badge of foolishness. But all this talk is just trying to clarify the jakes. Now, also, a jake is um, – there's two more important things to consider about what, what makes a jake a jake. A jake isn't that big. So what, what the, you, weighed, you weighed your big uh, turbo jake. What did he weigh out at? Uh, fifteen eight, just under you know, fifteen and a half pounds. So the Jake I killed this morning is smaller than that Jake. Yeah, I didn't weigh him yet. Shorter beard, like shorter nubbins. Yeah, little atrophy, not atrophy. Doesn't have never grown. It's not that they shrank. Atrophy would make you think his spurs shrank. Undeveloped spurs, and not a hefty bird. Now the rope dragger I killed, twenty five pounds four ounces. Why are you shaking your head? I'm not shaking this is my like head. like a jealous shake? It will a little bit, I guess, yeah. So, Although I, have, I think I got you on total poundage. Yes. <laughs> so there is a big size difference. Now, here's the important part, and this is what Yanni's going to speak to. Here's the important part. Jakes are um, gullible. So Jakes will 
gang up with other Jakes and hens don't want to have sex with them. So they're just like, they're like, uh, they run around in little groups, two Jakes, three Jakes, nine Jakes, run around in little groups, just dying for like attention from other turkeys. If they go up to a big gobbler, like a big rope dragger, he's going to kick their ass. Hens won't do it with them. And they're just around trying to like fit into the whole scene. And they're, they come to calls like pretty aggressively. So for all of these reasons, um, size, gullibility, some people will not shoot jakes. I do not have this problem. But Yanni uh, passed up jakes and now is fixing to shoot a jake and it goes against one of Yanni's beliefs, which is don't pass up on the first day what you'd be happy to have on the last day. Yeah. So now... <laughs> I was thinking about that because <clears throat> I do say that. But I was also thinking about that I'm like, okay with going to home empty-handed. You know what I mean? You're okay so, going home without yeah, turkey so like You don't want to have a little turkey <clears throat> stir-fry or a little turkey schnitzel or a little turkey soup or turkey smoke. I've got turkey. two rope draggers already packaged and wrapped up in the freezer. Because you've been hunting in other states. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Feeling a little cocky in that. But yeah, I'm okay with going home empty-handed. So I'm weighing, you know, the experience. I kind of want the show. And I want to, you know, interact with that old gobbler. And 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 and, and now I've had that, you know. I mean, twice with Doug. And we've had a couple other sessions, you know. So I've, I've sort of, I've, like, I've satiated myself with that, with the experience part of it. And now I'm like, all right. I want some yeah, meat. I get it, but like I, I shoot Jakes, but even though I shoot Jakes, I still in my life have shot more non-Jakes than Jakes. Yeah, for sure. You know, because no, I'm was, like I, I don't go somebody out. Somebody the other day that I haven't even seen that many Jakes. Yeah, like I'll go out. Now, this morning I went out and purposefully targeted a big rope dragger. Okay, like I was planning on the rope dragger and was trying to get him. So it's not like I've like put together a plan to try to go get a Jake, but later in the morning I like went out thinking I'm gonna go find that those Jakes and call them in and get one. So it's not like you deprive yourself of the experience of of, of matching wits with a sly old Tom who's not actually that old because a two year old turkey is already an old man. A four year old turkey's dead. A three year old turkey is very old. Mm-hmm. Now, this, this varies a lot, but a, guy, a turkey biologist was once telling me 75% of the eggs that get hatched. They get laid, you mean? Sorry. 75% of the eggs that get laid get destroyed. Now, now the female will have multiple clutches. So, like, when she loses a, a, a clutch of eggs, this is true with many bird species, but if she loses a clutch of eggs, she'll go have a you know, second clutch. So, she gets a couple chances, but... 75 about, like, you know, just a general way to think about this. 75% of the eggs that hit the ground will never hatch. 75% of the birds that hatch will not see their first year of age. Hmm. 75, about 75% of the turkeys 
of the about seventy five percent of Jakes will not become rope draggers because attrition, <laughs> death. Everything wants to kill turkeys except Yanni. <laughs> Everything from the minute they hit the ground. That's why they get paranoid. It's like the minute they hit the ground, just like everybody wants to kill them. I got to say, I clarify something on the Jakes. If someone's- no, Okay, can I, can I preface this? With the, the, this is coming from the world's worst wildlife observer. The world's, the world's worst wildlife observer, Dirt Myth, will now, uh, will now, now weigh like in. This, is now going to weigh in on uh, Turkey's uh, Jake psychology. Well, just to clarify, it, it, you made it, I feel like you made it seem like the Jakes were uh, a guaranteed success. And yesterday we saw... Oh, I don't feel that way. No. I guess I shouldn't say we what. spooked. That's what I'm saying. Is yesterday we saw 13, right? Is that about right? Yeah, but that also is like that's the thing about Jakes. Like we spooked a bunch of groups of Jakes yesterday because they because they're not shy and they're standing out in the middle of yeah. fields in the middle of the day. So it's very hard to walk through agricultural across the agricultural landscape and not spook it. Because they're not doing like little sneaky little yeah. rope dragger activities like hiding out in little woodlots and, you know. Yeah. They're just like out running around willy-nilly in the middle of fields. So they kind of like run into you as much as you run yeah. into them. Yeah. And if you go to call like you're out trying to locate turkeys. It's a risky maneuver, but you can locate it by going call, call, like a crow, yep. and shot gobble them, where they just respond to a loud noise by gobbling. Or you can go around and like incre- and go out and make hen calls. Yeah. Okay. So the thing it is, if it's a big old a big old boss Tom, and he hears the hen, he's gonna he's gonna gobble. But then because he's an old sly old dog. He's not going to come pouring in. Like, you're going to romance him and play this game, right? But if you go and you're just trying to locate a time and you make a noise, that guy, the, the damn Jakes might already be, like, on a full tilt toward you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So you do bump Jake. So, yeah, it's like they're not – it's not – yeah, you can't just go out and necessarily kill him because things happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's what I was saying is if I were to – I haven't turkey hunted yet in my life, but if I were – and I saw Jake, and I shot it, and harvested it successfully. I'd be stoked. So yeah, let, let, let's have, yeah, we'll come back to Yanni for a minute and, and what goes on in his mind. Um, uh, Dirt, you never hunted turkeys. I mean, I've been on. Hunts. No, I mean, you holding shotgun no. trying to kill a turkey. No. Do you? Let's say tomorrow. I was like, Dirt, we did. We have a surprise for you. We didn't tell you, but you, we have. We bought you a turkey tag, and we're just our whole day Hell is focused yeah. on Dirt getting a turkey. Now, would you hunt for a Jake? Just one day. No, I mean, okay. No, no, I'm saying. Forget the elaborate scenario. (laughs) Do you see, like, if you were turkey hunting, would you be like, I don't give a shit if it's a Jake or a not? No, no, I would be, it would depend on the timing. I mean, I think the psychology, the thought process would be the same as you guys who are seasoned hunters. Like, first day out of a four-day hunt, I would be holding off for the big one you and would. the big show. Yeah, just take So you're already you're already into it. You already see it. Yeah, well, I mean the allure of a of a of a monster. Yeah, for sure. But if I had one day and the first morning, you know, out there sitting for an hour and I saw Jake and that was my only day, I'd shoot it. 
Pat Durkin. Are you a Jake man? Like, will you put the Jake brakes on a Jake? Not usually. I mean, not not till later in the hunt. If I get a chance late in the hunt, I'll I'll, I'll shoot him without even thinking twice. But you know, early on, though, I I like to see that big rope coming through. I like to see the fan, all that kind of fun stuff. And then when you see a a gobbler pop up and you see the little extra where it's not an even fan and you know it's a Jake. Initially, I, I get bummed. I think, oh, that's a Jake. But then late in the hunt, I think, ah, I'm willing to go home without one. I mean, I, I don't have a problem doing that, but I think that's why early in the hunt when you start passing them up, you don't, a lot of times you don't get that chance back. Yeah, and exactly. You just don't. Now, this is coming from a man who I found out earlier today uh, has a personal pact that if he shoots a buck, he gets it mounted. It's an inviolable pact with himself. He has a lawyer, a doctor, <laughs> a CPA, and a taxidermist. That's right. And you have mounted, <laughs> and he has 30 white-tailed deer mounted in his house. I do. No exaggeration. Um, How many did you kill before you got the first one stuffed? Oh, a lot. A lot. So I, then what year did you be like, from now on, I'm stuffing them all? My big year was 95, 1995. I, I shot three at that point with the biggest bucks that ever shot in my life, like bang, bang, bang. I went on a hunt in um, Buffalo County, Wisconsin, bow and arrow. First morning out, got a nice eight-point buck with, with split brow tines. Uh, got to get that buck mounted. But probably about 140-class buck. Then I went to Ontario. Two weeks later, shot this Big, what I call them the cathedral antlers, these nice tight 13 inch spread, 13 inch spread. And that was uh, another one of those bucks you do. Man. And in between, I forgot the, the other big buck I got was one out in eastern Colorado, where it was, a, it was right after a blizzard had blown through. Nasty hunt, and the wind was just gusting. But I, I made a, well, it was a long shot, but I, we, got, we, had, we had missed a couple shots. I'd missed a couple shots, and we figured out. You got to aim a lot more out in front of that buck at that distance and shot, broke his neck, went down. So I had these three bucks. And I knew I was going to get them all mounted. And I just made this pack to myself. That I thought, that's, um, at, at, up to that point, I had one buck on the wall. That was in 1993 I'd shot that one. And I thought, well, now I got four of them, and three are basically now all out all, the all taxidermist. You know, from now on, I'm just not going to shoot a buck unless I really want to put them on the wall. And what's the, what's, what's uh, Mrs. Durkin, like, what's her take? I mean, people always ask me that because I have a lot of stuff around. I have a lot of skulls and hides. I never got anything stuffed before. But I got all kinds, of, well, I got rugs, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, they're stuffed because the head's stuffed on them. But um, I never got anything stuffed to hang on the wall. But I have all kinds of shit hanging around all over my house. Mm-hmm. Hides and skulls and whatnot. Me too. But 30 stuffed deer, what's she think about that? I, I, I mean, cho- that's like a whole other level of stuffness. <laughs> I, I chose wisely. I'm, she likes all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, I married wisely. My my wife, um, I remember one of her comments, first first time I got buck mounted, we were about 13 years into our marriage. And I remember I get, finally got this buck mounted. And she says, I thought it was kind of strange that the editor of Deer and Deer Hunting Magazine didn't have any um, deer heads in the wall. Maybe he's making a statement. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no. My statement was I was shooting everything that moved early in my hunting life. Yeah. yeah anything that had antlers, I'd shoot it. And then by the time I got into my, I was in probably late 30s by that time, 
I started getting a little more picky, a little more picky more. And then 95, like I say, it's this big breakout year where you just have everything falls into place. And my wife, though, we have a house that has an interior that just kind of fits that that look. You know, it's, it's uh, old barn board um, is our, a lot of our house is barn board interior on the ceilings. Yeah, see, and, I, would and, it, I would argue that it, uh, that it's too predictable. Oh, could be. Because I have a very modern house mm-hmm. with a lot of hides and skulls, mm-hmm. and it creates like a tension huh. that I like yeah. a lot. Yeah. It's like, you know, in Quentin Tarantino movies, when they'll have a very erudite, like he'll have a person, right? Yeah. Who's very genteel and extremely, like his characters be extremely well-spoken, yeah. very genteel. But then they say the most violent, profane thing in the world, and it creates a tension, right, between uh-huh. the persona. Yeah. And then this thing. So he'll have his characters who have like this like way they speak. And then when they say like really like long drawn out strings of profanities, you sense this sort of, right? Yeah. This push and pull. Yeah. And so with modern decor and skulls creates like an un, an, a, a thing that um, you walk into and it's almost like you, you, you stepped into a fight, right? Yeah. Yanni has a log home, and he's leery about overdoing it on buckheads and whatnot because it's like, oh, yeah, it's a log home, so you put up a bunch of uh, deer heads. My, my house isn't quite, quite like that, and I think when I get the, the tension thing, I think it's cool that my wife, who grew up on the East Coast, never knew a hunter until she met me. So that's the tension. That, I think that's the tension for us, you know, that, that people walk into the house, and that's the first thing I always ask her is, did you kill all these? How do you put up with this? <laughs> yeah. No, well, she gets that question a lot. How, how, does, how do you put, why do you put up with this? And her only, her only rule, honestly, God, the only rule she has is no deer heads in our bedroom. Everywhere else it's, it's fair, fair I hear thing. a lot of guys say that, but I don't understand that either. I don't, I don't understand it, but um, it's, I figure she gives me free reign in the living room on the staircase. Yeah, that's good. The, the kitchen area, well, the kitchen, not so much the kitchen, but we have an adjoining kitchen and dining room. So dining room's got quite a few white tails around it. Yeah. And we also have um, a big walleye in there and we have a salmon and in our room I have a, a wild pig from Florida that my daughter shot that's in the, or, um, kind of a, like a big guest room area. And then we have an elk in there that my daughter Leah shot. You ever stuff a turkey? We've got two of them, two full, full body mounts. Really? Yeah. One, one see the inside of this house, right? It's what? like walking into a Cabell's. What it sounds like. <laughs> you got a big aquarium. You got a big aquarium full of largemouth bass. No, no. 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 When, our, when, our kids, when our kids were all home, I had three daughters. Bubblegum machine with some pellets. <laughs> <laughs> my, my daughters used to bring boyfriends home. The boyfriends were more interested in seeing all the dead animals in my house than they were. In, and if they didn't, if they didn't show my, my daughters enough attention. When they were touring the house with, you know, having me show them around and talk to them about different deer, if they um, spent too much time with talking to dad, you know, that was kind of it for them as far as my girls were concerned. <laughs> they thought they didn't want a boyfriend who t- wanted to talk to their old man all right, night about, right. about his buckets. Yeah, because they thought the only reason you want to see me is because you want to, you know, talk deer hunting with my dad. Yeah. And, and they, they, they cut them off. You know, was was that the case with all three of them? Because um, Leah was in the hunting. Not, Le- not Leah, but then Leah would always send the date guys that weren't, weren't in the hunting. Huh. So figure that That's one out. That's interesting, yeah. yeah. How many buckheads are hanging in the room we're in right now? Well, there's a lot of racks and stuff in here, but... Actual mounts? Four. 
There are slightly fewer buckheads in here than are in Pat Durkin's house. But these are just racks, mostly of our Doug Duran style of a tax during where you saw the uh, <laughs> saw a skull cap off and screw it to a board. <laughs> <laughs> now, Doug, what's your feeling on shooting Jake's? I shot one. So. Yeah, but like, but but what's your feeling on it? Because you passed a bunch of Jake's up once. So, but we had talked about that once. Yeah. That was the first time you passed Jake's in your life. No, 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 no. Just oh. the other morning, you'd this, passed up this, other Jake's in your life. Yes, because they're not good enough for you. Uh, no, because similar circumstances. It's only happened twice before, so it's not like I have this vast experience of of turkey hunting. Of Jake passage. Yeah, but uh, we saw the uh, this group of Jakes that I eventually shot one from come across the field, and Yanni looked at it through the through the knocks. He goes, "The one that's by itself, kind of on the outside, is a bigger one." What do you think? And we talked about it, and they came into the decoys. We still had a gobbler in the tree a hundred yards the other direction that we thought. If he, they, That's right. A big reason that that pass happened to the morning is because no more than 100 yards away, there was a gobbler hammering, and, we, and he was still in the tree late yep. in the morning, and we figured if he landed on that strip of, you know, basically grass between the, the woods and these pines that we were set up in, he would for sure look down there and see our decoys. And those jakes. Yeah, and these live, jakes I mean, come in a, there and start a fight, and they're, you know, fighting purring and making all kinds of jake noises. And we're, yeah. like, we're like, it's going to happen. But I think if we should point out, because earlier I was trying to, like, catalog the things that distinguish a jake from a, from a tom, like mm-hmm. a mature tom. One of them is that a mature tom can gobble, like, a good, robust gobble that you will, like, part your hair, Right. Yeah. And a Jake has kind of a little like a goofy kind of gobble. Yeah. And a lot of times they don't make any noise. Yeah, this week we haven't heard a Jake gobble yet. I think it might just be too early in the season. You know, they're not just quite feeling well, their oats Doug yet. Doug was saying he saw some Jake's gobbling earlier. Oh, there you go. Did you tell me that? No, he was telling me that that he was telling me he was telling me a little bit. that those Jakes. Yeah. Not all of them, but that one. That one did one. like a... If a normal gobbler goes gobble 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 gobble, this dude went. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when Yanni says that he could hear off, so okay, the night. Explain what happened. How you went out the night before, all that. Just, just tell people the whole deal. Like you're trying to, do, you, like you're giving someone. Uh, yeah, we uh, insight into oh, how to kill yeah, we turkeys. We weren't hunting because it was the night before the season here. It was the night before season here in Wisconsin? They the have house. six. Nine day or seven day? Seven day. Seven day. Six, seven day seasons. We're here for season C. And uh, we got here the evening before, and we had just enough time to run out and try to roost a bird, roost a tom. No, hold on. I want to which explain. means. You brought up something I want to explain now. Okay. Instead of just having turkey season, right, where people you have a license, you go hunting turkeys. Wisconsin breaks everything up. A, B, C, D, then what? E. That's as late six, as it goes. And then six them, right? There's an, an F, F season. There's an F season. There's an F. Yeah. There's an F. So it's like you, you know, you got to be like, you got to know what week you want to hunt turkeys. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm kind of an afternoon hydrator. Like, you know, I wake up in the morning and drink a bunch of coffee. Then later in the day, I'm like, man, I gotta hydrate. And then uh, I'll see some liquid IV, and then I'll drink a whole bunch because I like it a lot. It helps me stay hydrated because it motivates me to do it. 
Now, it doesn't matter if you like hydrate to live or live to hydrate. Liquid IV quenches your thirst faster than water alone. It's got three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drinks. And no artificial sweeteners, plus zero sugar in the sugar-free version. However you hydrate, grab your Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco. Or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use our code MEATEATER at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Superior Hydration today using promo code MEATEATER at liquidiv.com. I spend a lot of time outside and I spend a lot of time hydrating with Liquid IV because like I said, I love it and it makes me drink like I know I should. It makes me feel great. Check it out, liquidiv.com. Man, I've had a Helix sleep mattress for years, and man, that thing is nice. The Helix lineup, just comfortable. It feels good, and you don't get all like, it's not all like hot and sticky in the summertime. It's not cold in the winter. The Helix lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including the award-winning Lux Collection, the newly released Helix Elite Collection, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and even a mattress made just for kids. Take the Helix Sleep Quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door free of charge. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash eater and use code HELIXPARTNER20. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Meal prepping and thinking about what's for dinner all the time can be a real stressor. Well, using ButcherBox helps relieve that stress. With ButcherBox, you're always prepared with good quality meat in the freezer. It's the ultimate convenience with custom curated boxes shipped right to your door with free shipping, which means fewer trips to the grocery store. It's hard to find the same value at the store because what store can you go to where you're going to get free protein for a whole year alongside your order? Plus, they have a variety of high-quality cuts at an amazing value with exclusive member deals, and they make it even easier on you with recipe inspiration, guides, tips, and hacks. With ButcherBox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner. ButcherBox is offering our listeners their choice of weeknight meal essentials. Three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a whole year. Plus, you get $20 off your first order. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com slash MeatEater and use code MeatEater to choose your free offer and get $20 off. A, B, and C are hard. Like, A, B, and C sell out. D, E, F, generally you can keep you get more tags. People, like, generally, like, if you're a non-resident of Wisconsin and you send in your application, if you put down C, you'll get the C. If you put down B, you'll get beat out by residents and won't get awarded a tag, probably. Mm-hmm. If you do C, you're guaranteed, you're virtually guaranteed that you will get a turkey tag to hunt and people want to go earlier because they think all the you know rightfully so a lot more birds are still alive there are more 
turkeys alive at the day one of season A than there are the last day of season F by a, by a long shot. Sometimes as many as 50,000 in this state. Yeah. There's 50,000 more times alive <laughs> than when A starts and there are when F ends. And they haven't been educated by, uh, you know, people in the woods making Spooking them up. turkey noises. So, yeah. So, when we're talking about season C, that's what we're talking about. It's yeah. like it's like the earliest season that, uh, that uh, one, it's the earliest season that a non-resident can draw. And also, it's the earliest season that once tags go on sale and they sell excess tags, it's the earliest season that you're going to be able to buy an excess tag for. And they sell out quickly. Like, we were on the phone buying C tags. I got one. I was on the phone with Yanni. He's hitting, like, refresh, and he never got one. They had sold out by then, the second tag. So I have two season C tags because I got one through the lottery and one through buying excess tags. And Yanni got one through the lottery and was on a phone call and shit and missed the first couple minutes of the excess tag sale, and then they were gone. Gone, so. They sure were. That's how I got the second one also. Um so if you apply for season C in Wisconsin, at least in zone one, you're going to get a tag. Yeah. When you, if you apply a December 10th deadline and all of that. Yeah, so I was just telling listeners. Yeah, and I wonder if, if that's the case with, uh, with season B, too. No. No. You won't. A non-resident won't draw B. Oh, is that the right? The second no. year you will, right? Because you get a point. Yeah, but here's how it works. Is, if, you, if you're willing to not... This has got to be boring as shit for people. But listen, if you're willing to not hunt and you put down first choice B, no second choice on your application, then you will get a bonus point. But they pull your bonus point as long as they send you a tag. So I thought I had accumulated bonus points in Wisconsin by applying first choice B, second choice C. They would send me my tag, but I thought since I didn't hit my first choice... I get a point. And I call because it's shown that I have no points. Mm -hmm. And they said, no, because you got a tag. So what you have to do is you have to put down B, no second choice, not get a tag, and then call and buy an excess C or D tag, and then you'll accrue a point to help you get a B. That is way more complicated than it should be. No. It's not. I love this stuff. I think it's pretty easy. The reason I like all this stuff is because it favors the ser- it favors <laughs> the serious. I like anything that makes it that last minute jackasses, <laughs> right? The last minute, like, oh, you know, I don't know, my buddies are going. I decided, like, anything that keeps those people out of the woods and favors people who are obsessive, <laughs> I think is like a good thing. Huh. If they made a rule that you have to be able to do 25 push-ups to get a turkey tag, I'd be like, okay. Sure. Why not? Any bar- I'm joking. But any barrier to entry. <laughs> and I don't mean physical, because that's not fair. I'd take that back. That was an awful thing to say. But <laughs> sending in a little bit of paperwork and a, and a stamp is not like, it's like you're going out to kill a big giant bird. It's like, it's not that bad that you got to do, like, send in a form stating your intent to hunt i just checked that landowner box and that makes it easier does it yeah i i get whatever season i want because you own land yeah it's like the european system do you ever catch little robin hoods out here and hang them 
Yeah, we got a couple of them sitting here right now. <laughs> so I run up to the top so of the hill. That was with, all along. About, about 30 minutes before dark. Season C. And my plan C. is to try to, to roost the, the eve of season C. <laughs> Which means that you go out there in the evening and you make some sort of uh, loud, obnoxious sound, usually uh, the call of a barred owl, a coyote, a crow, slam the truck door, scream, yell. Um, yeah. yeah, we've shocked him up by going, hey! Yeah, you could blow on an elk bugle. Kevin Murphy's horn would sure as hell that uh, would shock ma- gobble make birds. him gobble. I have heard birds shot gobble from coyotes, car horns, crows, sonic booms from aircraft. Um, dogs barking, my brother Matt screaming, uh, coyote yips. I used to just take an elk call, a bite and blow elk call, and just make a heinous, loud, high-pitched sound with that and shot gobble them up. Will Primos says that someone says, why do turkeys shot gobble? And his answer is, it's just them saying, this is my time of the year. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, roosters crowing, uh, pheasant roosters, geese, ducks, lightning, shotgun shots, shotgun shots, trucks going over rumble strips, but not every time. (laughs) Not every time. Today, when you there were crows making noise all along that ridge. Yeah, but I do what's called the power crow, right in my ear as I recall. (laughs) Yeah, ducks. I about got a shot gobble out of him when I ripped. He was looking for morels, and I ripped out a power crow into his face without giving him a heads up. So there you are, Yanni. Yeah, and um, you're, you're trying to put one to roost. Yes, and um, I've been. I've, I'd like to get all my. Uh, I like the least calls I can have on me, the better. So one day maybe I'll be able to make a hen sound with my own voice. Can't do that yet. Yeah, I carry one shot gobble thing. I used to carry an owl and a crow, but I just have good luck with my crow. Yeah, I have the coyote because I can. It can. It can. It reaches out the farthest, you know. Yeah. I feel like it really reaches out there. But I gave him my. Do it for real. You want to think it'll be too loud? No. Okay. So I don't care not a gra- I'm not claiming to be a good barred owl imitator. But here's the thing: I want. I want like I don't. At the risk of interrupting your tail, <laughs> it doesn't matter. A lot of turkey hunters are like really obsessed about these realistic shot gobble sounds. You're right. You're right. I don't think it matters. No, it doesn't matter to the turkey. It's just you go on YouTube and this dude's like exactly like, oh yeah, but a barred owl. It's like they they don't. I just want to like, like my was buddy. that a real shotgun shot or a fake shotgun shot? Because I might shot gobble it. I want to impress my buddies. And what I like and Pat can attest to this is today I had a barred owl respond to me. So I was like, great. No, no, my yeah, barred owl for just general cool. woodsmanship. Yeah, yeah, great. It's great to know how to do a barred owl call. So I usually do a. Yeah, something like that. It's good. It's convincing, and I and yeah, and I heard barred owls answer you. So uh, a couple birds answer way off in the distance, and uh, I run down a fence line, maybe a couple hundred yards, and before I can do another call, a bird goes off pretty close, like less than two hundred yards to where I know what ridge, what line of trees he's roughly on. I listen to him for a few minutes. And back out of there. Yeah. This is so, yeah, you, you preface this, right, by saying this is like 
turkey hunting 101, right? Like yeah, I've, putting yeah, them I to ex- roost. I was explaining yeah. how, to, how to roost a bird. Yeah. So now you know what tree he's sleeping in. In the morning, in, under the cover of darkness, Doug and I slept in. And, and you can kind of suss out the terrain. Yes. And be like, if he's roosting there, where is it? Like, what's his probably where is he going to go in the morning? Mm-hmm. Right. You can kind of suss it out. Like, if you got one roosted up and on one side is this giant thorny hellhole, and then the other side is this little open meadow area, you'd be like, my guess, chances are better than not that he's going to mm-hmm. not go into the thorny hellhole and want to pitch out and land down where he can actually hit the ground without crash landing. And so it's helpful when you know where he is. Yeah. And both times we've set, I've set up on roosted birds this week, they've pitched down into the hellhole canyon. Yeah. Never to be seen again. Um, and when they have any kind of topography, they like to, they like to roost near slopes. Yeah. More well, than I think flat it's, I think it's easy for them to get into the tree. Mm-hmm. You know, they're up on a bench or something and they make a short little pitch out, you know, the ground drops out from underneath them and then they're 20 then feet they're up airborne. in the tree. Yeah. We watched in Mexico one time, hunting out in the desert, we watched where they were roosting in cottonwoods down along, was it, I think it was cottonwoods, down along like a, a near a, a little water hole and they would climb up the slope and get higher than where they were going to roost and pitch off the slope and then land out in the riparian zone in a cottonwood and it'd be funny because they just would like as part of us getting in the tree they just do that walk and then shoot out and land in the treetop rather than trying to lift off mm-hmm. smart critters so there you are the next morning next morning Doug and I slip in we set up three decoys DSDs Dave Smith decoys we uh, had a feeding hen an upright hen and, and a big boss guy. Yeah, strutter. With we're out in we're in Wisconsin where they have the eastern turkey <laughs> subspecies. And I have a Merriam's uh tail fan on this. And I was a little worried, kinda like I'm a little worried if my bard owl call sounds good, which it was stupid to think that a turkey's gonna be like, Hey, that dude's tail feathers are a little <laughs> bit lighter. No, because animals hate different, right? They hate different. So it's better because they're like, I'm especially going to beat that thing up yeah. because it's got a weird colored fan. Like deer will beat up deer that have a limp. They do not like shit to be different. There's a rigidity to nature. Differences are not celebrated unless it's just strength. Strength is admired. A limp is fighting. Drop time. Do they like it? You don't know if they like it. What I'm aware of is that they don't like weakness. And they don't like deformities. They don't like anything that suggests weakness. They'll go after it. You know, deer, turkeys, whatever. They, when, when a turkey gets shot, gobbler gets shot, the other gobblers beat the crap out of it. Yeah, you that's know? always weird when you hit a turkey and the other turkeys beat it up. Yeah. But I, I've seen um, those though, in, the, in the winter when somebody has a, a feeder out in their backyard. This one fawn had a broken, like a broken, distorted neck, and it come in and his head was always askew. The other deer to always push it off, get it out of there. They're just mean as hell to it. Only th- only deer that would pay that deer any kindness was its own mother. Mm-hmm. All the other deer to always just shun it, kick it, 
or albinos get the same treatment a lot of times. They, they went, go near other deer and get beat up. That's why you see albinos by themselves. Yeah. yeah. I went to, when I was working on my book about buffalo, I went out to see this yeah. famous white buffalo called White Cloud. And um, White Cloud's always way away from the herd. And the people are like, they run the place. We're like, well, that, you know, the other buffalo know he's special, right? <laughs> and he has special magic. And this one guy that works out there is like, no. He tells me later, he goes, no, they beat the shit out of that thing. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, it's so it just stays off by itself now. <laughs> well, I saw that turkey that I assume got that big Tom down here last week that I assume got hit by a car. Oh, yeah. Just getting the shit kicked out of it by another one. And uh, killed it or finished it off. Finished it off. And I'm assuming, I mean, I, it, there was some activity there that looked like there may have been a fight, but um, that a friend came and uh, got it, tagged it. And uh, when they cleaned it, it didn't have any, you know, like big cut marks in it or anything like it had so we were kind of assuming it got hit by a car, but there it was. I'm driving up, and it's 30 yards off the road, and the other one is just punching it, pecking it, and then he walked off when I walked out to see what the heck was going on. And, and then you went and found a dead badger, just <laughs> out doing farm boy activities. <laughs> well, yeah, it was the dead <laughs> the animal weekend last. Yeah, yeah. Now, Yanni, it's a little bit like you're playing uh, rhythm guitar as you tell your story and other people are soloing on top of your story. <laughs> so there you are. I don't mind that. There you are. You got your DSDs. Got my DSDs. I guess I want to finish on the roosting uh, thought is that what it really gives you is it gives you a nice place to start in the morning. You're not like in the darkness, blind, going, oh, hope there's like a gobbler somewhere around here at some point and you're getting like, you have anxiety because like, you're like, should we go here? Or should we go there? You're like, you can walk out yeah. calmly, cup of coffee in you and just go right where you're going. Knowing that it's probably not going to work out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it gives you a place to start. Yeah. And uh, sometimes it does. But uh, yeah, so we set up our three decoys and uh, this bird, when we got there, he was gobbling. Gobbling, oh. gobbling, gobbling, gobbling. I mean, it was a, he gobbled hundreds of times. Full gobbles. Like, he's a rope dragger. Mm-hmm. And uh, stayed in the tree. And before we had seen any other turkeys, it was probably close to an hour after daylight, right? Yep. And When uh, these jakes came out? Yeah. And we didn't spook this Tom because we were just too far away. He just could not see us. He couldn't see our decoys. He's just gobbling away. I mean, I was... I inspected every tree down that you know ridge trying to find it with my binoculars and, and just could not see him. So he was just out of sight. And uh, yeah, these jakes pop up on the horizon, I don't know, a couple hundred yards? Well, at least 200 yards away, yeah. And uh, I'm calling a little bit here and there. And uh, those jakes, you know, you see one get his periscope, his neck nice and high, and he looks down to where we are, and they just turned and just marched right on in, four-pack. Well, yeah, I wonder if they were different age because it was like there was three and then there was one. One off and by the, himself. And that yeah. one had like a, you know. Well, he had kind of a, where's the, the, the younger ones have like an artist's brush, just a little tiny. Yeah. You know, his was a little wider and. Yeah. But it's, it's definitely a Jake though, right? Long. I mean, that it's not a two-year-old bird. Yeah, oh, no, no, it's not no. a two-year-old bird. No, 16 pounds. So. Just I don't maybe know what. born earlier or hatched earlier or yeah. good nutrition. or <laughs> yeah. Power Jake. Power Jake. Maybe um, he got like it. A, maybe he was really good. Um, 
I know I was throwing out a lot of 75 percentiles earlier, but when they're a poult, they eat about, their diet is about 75% insect matter, mm-hmm. 25% plant matter for a good, healthy turkey. A lot of, they need to be eating a lot of grubs, a lot of worms, a lot of insects. Hmm. And then late, in adulthood, it's flipped. A lot less protein, a lot more green. So maybe he just real. Maybe he had a little honey hole, grub patch, and was just cleaning house. And it makes you wonder if they're from, you know, the same brood or, yep, yep. you know, all of that. I mean, are they brothers or are they just like freshman boys at the high school dance? You know. Yeah. Now and then, you're a big guy. You're probably bigger than all the other kids. You're like that, Jake. Well, then it's. Let pro- me see your nubbins. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yanni, there you are. You got your DSDs out. Big flock of hungry jakes coming at you. Come, are you they, scared? No, we're we're just we're like that. That's what we're there for, right? Is to see the show, and we got it. I mean, it was great. You know, four jakes come in, just bypass those hens. Didn't even yeah. There were two hens. Oh, the, the hens. Like decoys. they're more interested in beating up a turkey than they are having oh, sex yeah. with a turkey. And they had to walk through the two hens. I knew guys like that in high school, <laughs> <laughs> right? Guys that would be like, they would pass up ladies to fight. You know? Yeah, oh, yeah. 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 Like, you got your priorities crooked. But we had decided, we talked about it as they were coming down, because we were sitting pretty much side by side. Well, it's a little early, and that other guy is goblin. So we thought we had the perfect scenario with these decoys coming into our decoys. Yeah. So we're, you we're thought like, we were doubling down. You thought the rope dragger was going to come out and just start kicking everybody's ass. Decoys. Yeah, because how could he? Decoys, Jake's, just blood. How could he stand having four Jake's in there fighting, purring, and cackling, and, you know, flapping their wings around? I mean, that turkey activity, you could certainly hear it, it from where he was. Noise. Yeah, and that yeah. time would be like, yeah. whatever's going on down there, I'm going to go down and settle it. Yeah. There's Instead, starters, there's starters and settlers. <laughs> Instead, they uh, eventually had enough of the decoys, and uh, they saw a couple dudes eventually sitting by some trees, <laughs> and they're like, yeah, we're going to peace out of here. Because you guys are 30 yards away. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we had them a couple times at, at feet. You they know? were on the other side of a pine tree that I was sitting on the other yeah. side. They could reach so they down. got suspicious, as yeah, turkeys and do. as they left, they did some putting. You know how Jake's, they're not like, even when they're putting away from you, they're kind of like, I'm scared, I'm scared, but man, that was fun. I'm scared. <laughs> oh, should I go back? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And so they kind of fade off, and they just happened to fade right underneath the gobbler, and it sure seemed like as they went there, he finally came out of the tree and then went away from us. Then... Time goes by. You fellers come back to the farmhouse. Mm-hmm. Doug had had, as he put it the other day, what'd you call it? A blessing here on the farm? What do you call it? Yes. Fresh cow. Yeah. Yeah, but you use the term. I don't remember. Your what keeper it came it. over and you said we had a small blessing or a miracle on the farm today. Yeah. Well, something I don't I don't remember what I said, but yeah, we had a calf anyway. A cow birthed a calf. And I was a little concerned about the calf because it was uh didn't seem to be getting the idea down about I get something to eat. So we came down, we got a little cup of coffee, a little breakfast, and I said, hey, I'll check on that calf. And we walked down there, kind of climbed up on the fence and was looking at the calf, and Yanni looks way to the north and goes, there's some turkeys down there. Well, you know they call him the Lavine Eagle. Well. (laughs) No, I just call myself that. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, not much game gets by this kid. Well. No, he'll spot it up. He's the turkey eye as far as I'm concerned. The Latvian turkey The Latvian spotter. turkey. <laughs> so he said, and what do you think? And I was like, well. So we came back, got our stuff, and pretty much went back to the spot that we'd already set up in. Because we were trying, by the way those birds were moving, it looked like they were going to come pretty much where we had been in the morning. Like they had yeah. done their whole thing so for a couple of So they'd been hours. on some like little adventure and were working their way right back to their if starting I've point. If I've come to realize something in 10 years of turkey hunting now is that they are creatures of, of habit. Of and loops. That, creatures of, of loops. Yeah. And if unless they're messed with or bumped or whatnot, they're going to do their loop and come back. And this time you're waiting for them. Mm-hmm. And you put your t- decoys down. No, we, well, barely. We got there and peeked around the corner and I saw one of them Stat- stand there like a statue for 15 minutes to the point where I thought he had us. And he just kind of, he'd look our way, look, you know, just nine degree head turns straight away and then towards us or 90 degrees to us, towards us, back and forth, back and forth, not moving. I'm thinking, man, we screwed it up. You know, like he saw us just something yeah. in these pines. It ain't going to last. Well, we figured, well, we'll try it anyway. So Doug gets into position. I'm watching him. He hasn't spooked yet. I back out, look at him one more time. He hasn't spooked yet. Do a little loop. Belly crawl out with Strutter again. Just him. Set him. Belly crawl back. And called for, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, to the point long, where I was, yeah. long enough that we were starting to doze off. Yeah. I was close. Doug was said maybe he'd actually made it. To it's the worst lane. kind of sleep. <laughs> like because you get when you're like what time we've been setting the alarm for uh 345 so we get up at 345 in the morning right and then when you're out in the evening hunt you're out there till past eight it's just like you know you get dinner and all that shit get your gear squared away it's like you get low on sleep and you can't help when the sun comes up and it gets warm you get nappy feeling so you're so nappy feeling but at the same time the minute you doze off, you like feel like you heard a gobble or something. It's just mm-hmm. it's like a very fitful knot. Right it's edge. like it really puts you in a bad place. Yeah, and this trying is, to sleep this is in the turkey noon. woods. I mean, we are in nappy, nap time. Nap time. Yep. Yeah. Well, we I hadn't seen anything. No, nope, nothing. Yeah. we didn't know. We thought I, th- I figured there was as good of a chance that they had spooked off as as anything. I called for a bit, and all of a sudden I hear, I think it's squirrels hopping around. Because we had seen a bunch of squirrels in the yeah, morning it's there. it's a little squirrely area up there, you know, where we've... Yeah. And I'm hearing... I'm like, ah, squirrels, you know. But then I'm like, eh, there were some jakes, like, not too far from here. Now there's some noise. Maybe I should just get my gun up. And no sooner am I like, I didn't even get my gun to my knee. I was like, I had it halfway up to my knee, and I look, and there's one redhead, and then another redhead... I'm like, oh, I hope Doug's awake. <laughs> and we were at that point. We were probably thirty yards apart. Oh, we really? were sitting together. We were probably thirty yards apart. Yeah. And that, and we had talked about not shooting into the pines because we were both sitting in the pines. We, you know, we done the whole yeah, safety, safety plan. Safety we had a first. safety plan. And I'm looking back at the spot, and I see that movement. I can't hear anything, so I didn't hear those that noise. And but it was the same thing. One, and so I'm trying to get turned to where I can shoot, and I'm thinking, well, I could shoot left-handed, maybe because they're really close to me. And it was the the fourth one was the the one the, the biggest one, like we had decided earlier in the day. So Yanni could have had that bird, but he didn't pull the trigger as quickly as I did. <laughs> yeah, I was just I was gonna brag that I've only passed up a Jake one time being that morning when we had the gobbler. <laughs> yeah. But then I remember that I must have passed up a Jake later that day. 
So I've passed up two Jakes in my turkey. Because they were kind of lining up for you, weren't they? I mean, you could have probably shot two of them with one shot. Maybe. Yeah, I they can't were, remember they were now. Kind of, yeah, they and, were. and then you, and then you blouch. Blouched. <laughs> Do you know why they call Jake breaks Jake breaks? No. Jacob Industries makes that. Made, I don't know if they still do. Place called that Jacob Industries makes that compression break. Huh. Bup, 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 bup. Me and my brother used to live in a trailer park alongside of Highway 90 in Montana. And holy shit, you get sick of listening to those things, man. Because it was on the down slope. Yeah. People coming down out of, you know, around, they come down bowls and pass. I don't know. Blasted awake every night with them freaking things. Huh. But that's my brother calls when he shoots Jake. He puts the Jake brakes on <laughs> it. Uh, that's not very nice. Um, so you got the Jake. Got the Jake. Down he went. That was over. We were very excited about it. Now, meanwhile, I had gone out. I hadn't gone out and roosted a turkey. I had not. I wasn't as, as aggressive and as good of a hunter as Yanni was, and I just was trusting that I would find gobblers, and I did. I went out to what I refer to as the navel of the Duren farm. <laughs> <laughs> you could call it the heart of the Duren farm, but the navel. Like the cent- where all activity is centered. I'm right? gonna use that from now on. That's what the it's navel from, of the farm. Yep. Doug says if you hit a deer and you wound a deer and it's you're once you're there. trailing it, you will pass through the navel. <laughs> like it just they just well, it's, it's the it, navel it, of the farm. It's the funnel of the whole. Yeah, yeah, it really is place. You know. So I went down to the navel and I'm sitting there and up above me. At a place called, uh, known widely as Vernella Ridge, <laughs> uh, there are three gobblers. Like you tell, you can tell they're roosted up in trees. Like when you're sitting there in the dark, you get a sense of where they all are when they're gobbling, and you can set, you even hear how they're like in different trees. And there's a cascading effect. Like one will go, like an aggressive one will go. He'll hammer, and then his buddies will hammer over him. But the sound like jumps down the ridge because they're like in these different trees. So it's like, but it just moves, you know, then it starts back at the top and moves down. It's like someone like running their fingers down a piano, you know. And then there's this other gobbler just hammering his ass off up in these this pine area. And they were all too far away for me. Like I was like, I mean, I knew that I could eventually they might come through the navel as all things do. But they were like far away gobbles. And they hit the ground. One hit the ground and gobbled for a while. Then he kind of gobbled his way farther away. And the other ones, I could never figure out what happened to him. And I worked up at to a place called the Wet Spot, which my brother used to like to think up names for bars. Like if he was to buy a bar, what he would name it. And um, repeat offender, <laughs> tight fit. The Wet Spot and Ginger Snapper was four names that he had. He he never bought a single bar in his life, but he had four names ready. And one of them was The Wet Spot. And it's weird because on Duran Farm Maps, there's a place called The Wet Wet Spot. Spot. And I asked Doug, I'm like, you know, the big mud puddle that's always there. And Doug's like, yes, you're referring to The Wet Spot. So I went up to The Wet Spot, which was around where the gobbling was occurring. And then I sit down, get camouflaged, and rip out a hen call, a couple yelps, and as turkeys are wont to do, they gobble back the direction I had just come from, which happens, because it was a roundabout way of getting there. Call, 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 
dead. They just went up, you know, working with hens. One of the things that makes turkeys hard to call in at daybreak is they, when they're up in the roost, they're probably up in the roost with hens. And I know there was a lot of hens cutting, like tick, 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 cutting up in the tree with them. When they were in the tree, yeah. Yeah, in fact, I kept thinking there was no gobbles and just hens purring and cutting and carrying on up in the trees. Hmm. And I thought, there's no way there's no gobble, gobblers with those hens. And it, it wasn't until well into daybreak when they started gobbling. Hmm. But what, uh, what I, the reason I knew that there, that was there was because the hens. So a reason a gobbler is hard to call in sometimes in the early morning is he's still with his hens. He's like traveling with the hens and displaying for them. Now, as the day goes on, if they're laying, the hens will leave him and go off to lay eggs. And then he might then become very susceptible to calling because now he's got no females around him. So all this talk about getting up and roosting them and all that, the most of turkeys I kill, I start killing turkeys around 9 a.m. I kill a lot of turkeys between 9 and noon. Seems like in the morning it either happens right away or it's not. You get lucky. Yeah. Not lucky, but you get in a situation where you're set up where he wants to be and, yep. he has, and, and the hens come or whatever, and you get them. And that does happen. But kill a lot of turkeys in the late morning so i was like never mind these turkeys um i'm just gonna go on a little walkabout and i walk quite a long ways and i get out to an area where i'm confused about property ownership and i don't want to cross the fence because i don't really understand like what all is what and uh i rip out a power crow and get a gobble from a tom down in this, where this section of this big wood lot butts up against a, a field. And, and I'm sitting there glassing out, and I glass up two hens feeding around out in the open. Set up and try to call the gobbler that I gobbled. He never showed up. That night, I went back. What time would you go down there, Dirk? Went back about three and set up where I was calling into where that one had shot gobbled. And you were sure the property lines now, too. Yeah, I clarified property lines with Doug. Went down there and kind of like crept in there and got set up where I could, where I'm calling into this, where I feel that that bird shot gobbled out of, even though he was hundreds of yards away when I shocked him up. And I get comfortable almost to a nappy degree and um, start calling. And how long do we lay there? Three hours? No. Probably two. Two. Yeah. We sat no sound. for two hours calling probably every 20 or 30 minutes. Just on a slate, calling a pot call, every 20, 30 minutes calling. No response. Just dead ass silent. And then at one point, I look and coming through the woodlot at full strut without <clears throat> ever making a sound. There he is. The boss time. Big boy. And he comes out, and it's like, you're talking about how jakes are out in the middle of the fields all day long, raising holy hell. He's coming out of the woods and gets to the edge of the woods and will not leave that wood patch. He's just in the woods at a full strut. What are you laid up in? A, a windrow? A windrow. A windrow that T-bones that woodlot. So I'm looking like through my windrow into the woodlot, and I can see him in there at full strut. I mean, balls out, full strut. Will not leave the woods. And my call, and I had somehow wound up on my peg. And I was, and he was looking up. Like, he was, like, looking where that sound had come from. He knew where that sound had come from. And he's, like, looking, looking, looking. 
and I'm feeling around. I eventually find my peg and very slowly, I'd like somehow gotten on top of it and I very slowly get it up and I call a little bit and then he comes out into the field, but he's still obstructed. How far was he when he was at the edge of the woods? 60 yards, 70 yards. Just out of range. But uh, very heavily obscured. Mm -hmm. You're just seeing like, yeah, as he kind of would spin around in there, you're just seeing, you know, fan, head, but not, you couldn't take, even if he was, if he was 40 yards away, it would have been like, eh, it's a little too much, too much obstruction, like too much shit to absorb pellets. You're getting, you're getting the show at this point. Is that what you're thinking? You're like, man. Oh yeah, but no, I'm thinking about that, but I'm also thinking like, you know, all you're thinking about is killing the bird, right? You just want to get the bird. So I call a little bit more. And he starts stepping out in the field. And then I hear some dude dicking around on a quad runner. A ways away. not But getting louder. And yeah. I'd already been hearing him for a long time. Like, what is that guy doing? He's like, quad running around. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm like, how could this be happening? All of a sudden, that quad runner starts getting very close. <laughs> all around. <laughs> and I'm watching. And the turkey's kind of like moving out. And I'm like, that's going to freak that turkey out. The other thing I'm trying to do is now I'm trying to adjust for where the turkey's going to be, and I'm moving my shotgun. So I don't know what did it. If it was the increasingly loud quad noise or me trying to, like, get my shotgun around. But all of a sudden, he drops out of strut. But then I, like, really quickly, like, reached up and kapowed him, blouched him. That was a shocker to me, too, just the other two hunts I've been on with you, turkey hunts. It was all about the audio. And then that guy crept in. No, never a peep. Not a peep. Full display, but never gobbled. Yeah. Yeah, but the last time I hunted with you. Well, that's right. We had had, I glassed those. We were up in the woods, the timber. Talk about taking a nap. And I glassed. I was just looking into the woods with my knockers and caught a tail fan. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember. I, I glassed up a tail fan 75 yards through the woods. And we hit the deck and started calling. And I don't know how long it took before that thing finally walked over. Long time. Never a peep. Right at the end, like, he had almost a death gobble. Yeah. I know this is a he bad idea, knew, but here I come. He sensed the end was near all of a sudden and gobbled. Yeah. A death gobble. That You guys were saying that that's unique, somewhat unique to the Easterns, the uh, the that they don't gobble as as frequently or the reputation of easterns yeah. probably because they're more pressured the reputation is that they're less vocal yeah than 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 the other so yeah so wild turkeys all wild turkeys are wild turkeys if you ask geneticists they don't really like believe in the taxonomy so much some don't but you have eastern wild turkeys which are you know east of the mississippi but there are Easterns west of the Mississippi. But just a way of thinking about this. Easterns live east of the Mississippi and down halfway down the Florida Peninsula. From about Lake Okeechobee, south down the Florida Peninsula, you have the Osceola wild turkey. So you have the eastern wild turkey, which has an enormous range. Um, the Osceola in south Florida. And then you have Rio's, like Rio Grands, which used to hang out around areas of Texas, Oklahoma. Then you had the Miriams, which you had New Mexico up in southern Colorado. And then you have the Goulds, 
which was the Sky Island mountain ranges of Arizona, southwestern New Mexico, and then the Sierra Madre and other areas of north Mexico. Now, I, unlike my uh, friends here, am a, a turkey grand slam holder, which means, <laughs> which means, which means that I have harvested all of these turkeys I'm discussing. Now, what, what separates me from a world slam holder is that there is a bird, another type of turkey, altogether different, like a diff- altogether different species called the oscillated turkey of the Yucatan Peninsula down into Guatemala, Guatemala, I think some in Bolivia. That's the oscillated turkey. It's like a souped up turkey cross between a turkey and a peacock. Yeah. Not really, but resembles. But not to get a description. Yeah. I've, so, never, I've never tangled with the oscillated. Are all those different uh, types of turkey indigenous to those areas? I was just given where they're from. Now it's a now it's a mess because what happened was so so they were indigenous to those areas. Yeah, those so are their that, I'm originated. talking about their native range. Gotcha. That's okay. their native range. So if you live in California, Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Montana, and a shitload of other states, you do not live in native turkey country. If you live in Maine, you pro- you might not live in native turkey country. At the time of European contact, there were turkeys in 39 states. After all the market hunters got done with them, by like the early 1900s, you had turkeys left in 19 states. Hmm. And the holdouts in those states lived in the remotest, nastiest, swampiest backwater spots. They were like survivors. Holdouts. Hmm. Then... In camp, largely the work of, I mean, you know, when you say something like this, you're never, like, someone's going to get pissed. But largely through the work of the National Wild Turkey Federation, in in cahoots with, in coordination with many rod and gun clubs and, and state fish and game agencies and all that kind of stuff, like, like, the Turkey Federation can't act unilaterally. Like, but they provided money and expertise and know-how, and in conjunction with state fish and game agencies began... First, putting turkeys back where they belonged. So filling out native turkey ground. Then they took it a step further and put turkeys in place, introduced. So they did all their reintroductions and got a lot of the, the puzzle put back the way it was supposed to be. And then kept going and started putting turkeys where they had never before been. Hmm. So now you have turkey seasons in 49 states. The only state that doesn't have a turkey season is Alaska. And we have it on pretty good authority that there are some feral turkeys running around the Kenai Peninsula. So someday you might have a turkey season in Alaska. So when they were doing these reintroductions or introductions, they would experiment. Like I know that they tried Rio's, no, that they tried Miriam's like up around Hell's Canyon. And they didn't take, but Rio's took there. So they would do a little bit of messing around and then in some areas became like these like hybridization areas where now it's a total mess you'll have guys say like i have a farm in nebraska and on my farm i have easterns your miriams and it's like they're, they're it's just like a big interbreeding mess there are some morphological traits that you can look at and be like yes this turkey is 
you know, has some traits of X. But it's a mess now. They're all mixed up. Yeah, when you hunt the I-80 corridor there along the, um, what is that river there in uh, Nebraska? Is that the South Platte? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty sure. Um, you'll often, like, two birds will get killed and you bring them together and one's just got a super, you know, buffed out white tail fan and the one next to it's copper brown. Yeah. So one of the ways just a regular Joe Schmo can tell all the subspecies apart is, some people say they're not actually subspecies, but the the different varieties, or let's just say subspecies, is by looking at the tail, the the the, the coloration on the back. Um, my theory, and I've checked this out with biologists, think it's not that bad, is that the hotter the area, the more dry and hot the area, the more light colored they have on their back. I think it has to do with heat dissipation and heat retention. The same way you don't run black Angus cattle in northern Mexico. They die. Does the size vary based on They get baked. Too, you know but the Easterns only place are where that doesn't hold true is uh, like Texas and Florida. Well, no, because look at the Goulds. He's got like more white. I, that he, but he's not in Texas and Florida. He's over in. But in Texas, Miriams and Rios have a lighter colored back than the Eastern. More intense sun. Well, I feel like, does the Rio, is he lighter colored than the Eastern? Not by much. A little bit. All right. Well, then, in the Florida Panhandle. It's a gradation. They are the darkest birds of all. Yeah, okay. So it's not not seamless. But Bergman's principle, Mm -hmm. right? Bergman's principle is that if you look at a mammal's range, mammals, as, as they go north in latitude... The largest specimens of a species in the mammal world, the largest specimens are at the north end of their range. But some animals fall outside of Bergman's rule. Like, for instance, whitetails definitely do not, but mule deer fall outside of Bergman's principle. So you can have, I can call this the Ranella principle, okay? And it can have an exception, right? Mm -hmm. Just like when you put mammals on islands, they tend to become diminutive. When you put reptiles on islands, they tend to become larger. That's interesting. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> so I, I have a question about all that. Um, Please. So you're talking about this uh, big reintroduction pod, pod. and introduction. introduction. Yeah. So uh, how long ago did all this work happen? Because I know in this area, when I was a kid, uh, there were not turkeys here in the 70s. No. And I was gone for a while, and then I came back, and this turkey flew in front of me as I was coming down the ridge road. And you, I thought we were under, you thought the Russians were here. What the hell is that? Yeah. It's a red dawn. And then I left again for five or six years, and I came back, and everybody was turkey hunting. Yeah. I left Michigan right before turkeys began. Like, when I moved away, it was just becoming a thing. You could go up by, like, Nuego and maybe, like, draw a turkey tag. And I moved to Montana, and it wasn't, I wasn't gone a year or two, and all of a sudden, my old man's killing turkeys every spring within a couple miles of the house. Hmm. It's just, bam. Yeah. It'd be like the turkey, like the introduction effort, the reintroduction efforts, I think began kind of in earnest in the 70s. Like they got good at it. Because mm-hmm. if you want to look at like the history, how all this happened, they were, they were screwing up for a long time where they thought that they could hatch and incubate eggs in captivity. 
Uh, and so they were putting a lot of money and a lot of effort into trying to pen raise birds and release them. And it took a long time to sink in that that does not work. They don't take. So instead, they're they capturing and re-releasing. And then the rocket-propelled capture net yeah. hit the scene. And once the rocket-propelled capture net hit the scene, and that had to that had to join up with another thing, is you had to have some states doing good enough on turkeys that they were willing to spare them, right? Like our friend Bart George, who works on caribou in Idaho and Washington, he'd love to like supplement those herds, but to get the right animal, there aren't a lot anywhere. So you got to go and be like, hey, man, can I get 30 caribou off you? And people are like, dude, I can't spare 30, you know, I can't spare 30. That are the right subspecies Yeah, I can't whatever. spare 30 just immediately to the north of you, yeah, to, give yeah. you the bird, to give you the animal you want. So it's a problem. So you had states that were like getting a shitload of birds, and they were getting comfortable with their birds. And then they had to get over this idea that you could just incubate eggs and hatch them in captivity and get them up to like keeper size and cut them loose because they don't live. They're not, they're not paranoid enough. So once they figured out that you go out and get captured with rocket, rocket nets, you capture real birds and put them on the ground, and then it just took off. And they, I mean, it took off, and over the course of a couple of decades, they filled the country back up. I'm, I'm simplifying it, but. Yeah, Pat might know about this. It, it for some reason, is in my head that Wisconsin traded yeah. grouse to Missouri for turkeys. Yeah, initially they, I can't remember what the exact numbers were, but they treated with Missouri, got them going. Then they, they got them from some other states too, though, in Wisconsin. Uh. And they also got, um, it, was, it was pretty cool back in the 80s, they were pushing them up into central Wisconsin. It's about 10 years into the pr- program. And they thought that area where I live, around Wapaka, Stevens Point, right across the center of the state, they thought that was probably the extent of the, of the native turkey range. Mm. They, they didn't think turkeys would, would ever go beyond there. Like the turkeys had ever been yeah. beyond there. Yeah, they yeah. thought that's where they had basically pushed up, up You know what's naturally. funny? You ever look at a line what they think, what they think the where buffalo lived in Wisconsin? No. Uh-uh. Yeah. It cuts like, it ascends and it, it like goes it's a line that, that goes like at an upward uh, upward angle ascending northwest through the middle of wisconsin mm-hmm. when they draw where buffalo probably yeah. lived in wisconsin it probably isn't probably wasn't a whole lot different from the turkey what they thought open yeah open country yeah and then open they, grass the grasslands yeah because yeah. you know they came came up in that central wisconsin area that has its, its hills aren't like yours but they're they're hills and it's a lot of oak ridges and they thought they, yeah. they should do fine here and they did well, then next thing you know, you know, you can go up where I deer hunt up in Aston County, just south of Lake Superior, and there are decent turkey flocks up there. Because they they, they, there's ag fields. Yeah, they, they lived way beyond the, what any biologist thought was possible as yeah. far as extending their range. And, their, and the so, biologists maybe thought that because of winter conditions and stuff, as opposed to, and what allowed them to be there is because of the ag fields. Yeah, I think that we rewrote the, like there's winners, like there's things that, win from people and things that lose from people Mm -hmm. right wolves are losers from people white-tailed deer turks crows canada geese european starlings snow robins snow geese for sure snow yeah but in a yeah yeah for sure um our people are winners Mm -hmm. and turkeys were big ass winners yeah Turkey seasons in Hawaii. I saw turkeys in Hawaii. I was hunting a different non-native at yeah. the time, but ran into that non-native. 
hunting up there. Hey, everybody, I'm talking here about Montana Knife Company from our very own state of Montana. This company was founded by one of the most experienced master bladesmiths in the world, Josh Smith, who, over recent months, I've become friends with. And my God, have I learned a lot about knives from this guy. Just a phenomenal hometown company that makes world-renowned knives. Josh has been making knives for 30 years. You get one of these knives up and open it, it is sharp like something that came from outer space. And here's the deal. They make knives that can be sharpened. You can work on these knives. If you don't want to work on them, you send it to them and they'll work on it. They'll get it sharp. Phenomenal hunting knives. If you want to see them in action, we just did, uh, me and uh, John Hayes, the taxidermist, just did a video about how to properly skin a black bear. Um, watch that video. And in that video, you'll see Montana Knife Company knives in action. MKC products usually sell out in minutes of being released, which is true. But now for the first time, they're dabbling with having knives in stock on their site. So right now you can grab yourself a Blackfoot 2.0 or the Ultralight Speed Goat. Use code MEATEATER and you get 10% off your first order. Montana Knife Company, working knives for working people, 10% off with the code MEATEATER. That's a good deal. Hey, you ever needed something for your home but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it? Let's chat about how to get what you need when you need it. You can do that at Aaron's. Yep, you can rent to own appliances like washers, dryers, or refrigerators, furniture for your living room or bedroom, even tech like computers and gaming systems. Plus, Aaron's has great brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. And you can pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. Here's the cool part. Say you're renting a 65-inch smart TV and decide you don't want it anymore. At Aaron's, you can return it at any time. Or maybe you want to downsize to a 55-inch or upgrade to an 86-inch. You can do that too. Return it, then take home something new. Life's always changing. With Aaron's, your stuff can change right along with it. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. So check out your nearest Aaron's store or visit Aaron's.com to see what I'm talking about. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. You got to see your local store for details. Are you looking for relentless performance for your firearms? If so, Riptide Armory is the ultimate destination for superior gun cleaning and protection. Riptide Armory offers American-made innovative products out of Arvada, Colorado. Whether it's the delicate finish of a collectible or the rugged exterior of a tactical weapon, you can clean without risk of damage. Visit RiptideArmory.com and discover the difference true quality can make for your firearms. Riptide Armory, a veteran-founded business. Why is the one that that one that you don't have for the world uh, slam the oscillated? Why is that counted in with the uh, the the North American ones? And because there's other, got to be other turkeys. What do you mean this? (laughs) And other no, in other countries like regions and stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, like like like, European uh, turkeys. No, Guyana, like those those birds were guans. Guans aren't turkeys, dirt. No, but. Actually, I shouldn't even go down, so never mind. Yeah, you I really retract, should. <laughs> I retract my question. <laughs> 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 
still got that good solid B over there, though. Yeah, we're gonna start a book series it's like dirt on. It'd be like, it'd be like, not we're not gonna do dirt on photography because that'd be a boring book. Because he'd be like, here's how you take a picture, you know, right? And everybody'd be like, yeah, that's all really good cutting edge information you give dirt. But what I'm interested in is dirt on shit that dirt doesn't pay attention to. So, like, dirt pays a lot of attention to photography, and I would never read a book like dirt on rock climbing, right? Because it'd be like all the shit you need to know about rock climbing. But dirt on shit that he has passively, <laughs> that dirt has like kind of lit overheard us talking about. It'd be like drunk history. Have you seen yeah. that? <laughs> no, like, yeah, dirt. I want to do dirt on linguistics <laughs> and then um, dirt on wildlife. <laughs> it's a fox squirrel. Yeah. All right. So, Doug, uh, what happened with your evening bird? Well,. So, because here, herein are more lessons about turkey. Every one of these turkeys tells a different story. So, Giannis says, "I think we should go back up there, get ourselves a little nap. We'll go up there about five <laughs> o'clock. We'll get ourselves a little nap." And he said, "Turkeys, creatures, a habit. We didn't mess up that bird in the morning. That the big tom. Let's go back up there. I'll bet he's going to come back to that area to roost." You had a feeling. Because they, they do not have roost fidelity. It used to be believed, people used to believe they had more fidelity to, to their roosting area than they do. And I... Pat, you're nodding your head. You know oh, what I'm talking I about. I definitely know what you're talking about. Now that they put little trackers on them, little tracking GPS devices, those sons of bitches. Unpredictable. Yeah, you'll think like, oh, he's always roosting there, but it might be different turkeys are roosting there. Mm-hmm. He's so, off... Here was so my theory. Are. So here, here was my theory. One, Yanni, as he killed the biggest turkey ever killed on this farm. What? <laughs> what? Three years ago, or was that two years ago? Are you Three, sure? Man, that was a big bird. All right, we, we, I think it wasn't on a certified scale. Yeah, it but wasn't that's a certified. The, it's not scale. like okay, but it's not like he was out like judging. It's like it's like. Okay, but that, that doesn't give, but that doesn't give him any, that doesn't give him any credibility. That. that doesn't like make me think like, oh, listen to him. It's like that's the <laughs> one that happened to show up. Like if a dude, no, shoots no, a- no, no, no. He hunted that bird and killed it, and that was the one spurred monster bird. Okay, so having killed the one spurred monster bird, yeah. you knew that you should listen to him. Three other hunters had been haunting him that spring, and I came in. Yeah, and he could not resist. Kaplow. All right. So, so there anyway, are. there you are. And it was up in that area. Napping. With, napping no, with no, Yanni. No, no, <laughs> Napping with Yanni. There you go. So we go up there, and, you know, I think, well, I, 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 I couldn't believe whether that is true or not. But my thought was, well, the conditions are exactly the same this afternoon as they were the afternoon before. And he hadn't been muffed with. And he hadn't been muffed with. So let's, and Yanni says, let's go back up there. And I'm like, all right. So. We go up to those pines, and we cut through the middle of them, and we set up within 20 yards where I killed the one in the morning. Yeah, but, but see, we just, so now you got to explain to people, because you just said we had muffed him. He was off uh, doing, he was already go- he yeah. was off doing other turkey activities. Right. So you had been in there shooting and raising holy mayhem, but he wasn't there for that. Right. Uh, we, yeah. So again, like in the morning. Could go, you could go away in the morning. From your house. And have no idea that anything happened the, when I the, came whatever, back. Whatever, the mailman or the milkman or something. And then you come back later, you didn't know any of that happened. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, you just didn't think know it's the regular the old house. That, the pool that you don't own got cleaned. Yeah. So. So there you are. So anyway, we decide <laughs> to go back to the to a very similar spot. And, and there, you 
see the feathers on the ground from the one that I shot in the morning, in the mid-morning, after the big tom had already gone. And uh, so we set up fairly far apart again. And then we had the discussion about not shooting into the pine trees again. And uh, I sat down, but Yanni said, let's make sure we get an hour's sleep. Now's a good time to get a nap. Because sometimes that'll draw them in. <laughs> <laughs> well, in deer hunting, it does. It seems to for me. But anyway, so well, it's I... It's so important, though. I got to interrupt you. Your brother, I was hunting with Steve's brother, Matt Ranella, for opener of, in Montana, and he forced a nap upon us in pretty shitty conditions. But when he awoke, he said, man, the world is twice as crisp and clear as it was an hour and an hour yeah. ago, and that's a very good way to put it because you just get like in no, this and there's place certain, there's where, certain spring turkey. Anytime you're hunting, like any hunting you do that's in proximity to the summer solstice, so now you're into May, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the days are too long. If you go caribou hunting in August and you're going to hunt from the time it gets light to the time it gets dark, you're not going to not hunt. So you're going to do that for seven days, hunt 24 hours a day for seven days. It cannot be done. You have to, a turkey hunter has to take a nap if he's pounding it. Now, some states are more humane, like California. They got a cutoff. You yeah, can't Missouri kill does too. I think Missouri is like 1 p.m. Yeah, ours just Wisconsin, yeah. Yeah, so that's like a gesture towards humanity. They probably have too many people getting too exhausted and committing crimes and suicides and whatnot, and they realize these people are too tired. So we get up there. There you are. <laughs> there you are. So we get up there and Sound get set asleep. up. We have our little little chat and everything, and and I couldn't fall asleep right away, but I, I noticed that Yanni called a little bit, and then it was just quiet over there. So I kind of pulled some pine needles up and got a little soft thing. And I wasn't just leaning up against a tree sleeping. I I laid down on the ground and curled up and went to sleep. And uh, when I woke up, the world was crisp and new. And I had pine needles in my mouth. And (laughs) and then I sat up and Yanni, I hear Yanni go, you know, a little call over there. No, I think it was more like, yip, 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 No, yip, way more subtle than that. Oh. Yanni's way more subtle than that. Yip, yip. Yeah, that was, that was more like it, yeah. And, oh, Yanni's up. I better start paying attention. I, little did I know that he had crawled over to talk to me sometime before that, but saw me curled up on the ground and didn't have the heart to wake me up from my nap. Okay. So, and then we hear a gobble, to the south of us and quite a ways away and he calls and we hear the gobble again and the gobble's getting closer and they kept moving across the ridge saw them for the first time in the same place we saw the jakes in the morning and they got to that point when i say they there were two gobblers but he picked up a friend well we wondered about that because in the morning we thought there might be two in the tree probably was yeah and uh And I, were they returning to that tree, or did they come in because Yanni had called them? Chicken, I, I don't know. Whatever he wants to do, whatever he wants to do, it, it just made I, I'll tell sense. you what it was. They were coming back to that roost area. It influenced their thinking. So we're all set up. Why do you not? Why does he not even want to respond to that? Well, that, I, I 
I, that's what Yanni thought. So oh, that okay. was, I mean, that was the reason for going there. So I'm, I'm convinced of that as well. So I see him coming across and it was, wasn't, they were 200 yards away and there wasn't any question that we had two toms coming at us and that they were big birds. And they were gobbling. One of them was gobbling and one of them was walking. And every time the one would, then one would display and the other one would walk ahead of him and then he'd drop his display and then catch up with him and then he'd gobble and they were do, kept doing this thing good gobbling like yeah. not letting 10 seconds go by between yep. gobbling. yeah it's interesting they do that like you're saying you told me that too that that he would stop and strut in the butt but he didn't want his buddy to get ahead like he's like <laughs> i don't want you up pouring the coals to right well i'm doing all the work some yeah. hen and i'm back here strutting so it's like i want to strut but i don't want to strut so bad that you're like running point and, like, encountering all kind of adventures and whatnot while I'm back here all puffed up. Well, cooler than heck to see him come from 200 yards I, like I that. I think it it helps. I mean, a lot of times with animals, you don't want multiples because there's just more eyes, more noses, more chances of getting busted. But when you have two gobblers coming in, and they're like, not only are they, like, in love and, and, and sick for what you're offering them, but then they're like, I got to beat my buddy there. So yeah, like, like, I'm going over there. I'm going over there. I'm going. No, I'm going. That's what they're gobbling. That's, that's, that's what, what that When they like, gobble, yeah. that's what they're actually saying. I'm going over there. <laughs> no, I'm going over there. So they drop down <laughs> into this ditch and come up out of there. And, you know, it's just so, so the way they're waddling up up through there. And I'm I'm ready. And I've got a little bit of a screen in front of me. And I'm, I'm set. And I'm thinking, well, the way this is going, they're going to come one behind the other. I'm going to shoot and... and possibly kill them both so you know what's going to happen and they get within about 50 yards and they slow down and the sun is kind of in my face and i have glasses on even though i have the net down face mask net face mask net and i've got a, i don't have one of those fancy uh turkey hunting shotguns with the camo on it and stuff i've just got a you know old, old farm old, boy farm boy 871 farm master. boy rat shooter yeah <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm ready. I mean, I'm not moving and, and nothing's happening. And then they just sort of stopped. They got leery. Leery. What do you suspicious. think was what do you think they were suspicious of? Because you guys had like one, a little one of two things. It was either Doug or the decoys. You, did you fast move? I'm not saying it was Doug. I'm just oh, I, I don't I, think it was it could have been anything else. You felt like you did a fast movement? No. I felt like I was very still. And I, I mean, when I saw them coming, I got my, I dug my heel into the ground, got my knee up with the, the shotgun on it. I was ready. For, they were going to walk right you know, into me. I'll tell you one thing a turkey hates. Movement. I don't think I moved and I had built a little screen. Yeah. No, I had, I was set up pretty good. I'm not good. accusing you of moving. Yeah. Decoys are not foolproof. They, they can make could, them nervous. They could have seen something. Well, the white tail feathers on the on right. You, they you got know. in close. They're like it's hey, a Miriam, that's that a Miriam. dirty son bitch and travel. What's he, what's he doing over here? <laughs> Come all the way out here from Montana to mess with our women. So I arranged it after the fact, but I guessed at that point that to that to be about forty yards, and I thought they're going to keep coming, and I'm going to wait until they get right in front of me. And they stopped at 40 yards, and they took this, began to take this little turn down into the woods. And the first one... Like they were done. They were done with well, it. Well, no, because they were doing kind of following the same route that the uh, Jake's had earlier of the one that I shot. Although I didn't know they had, the Jake's had followed that route. Where they, the, Well, it makes sense. They, the Jake's were down there in the woods when we saw them. And around they came. We actually saw the Jake's twice do that same move. 
So for a second, I thought I should wait because they're going to come out into those decoys right in front of Yanni. And he's been, well, he's the world's most affable man. And I just <laughs> have this, I, I, it's his turn because I'd shot one earlier. For a second. This, all that stuff went through my head in one yeah, second. No, and then no. it went boom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about him for a, that split second. And then I, you disregarded those thoughts. Yeah. Well, that one, he'd stuck his head up, so I shot and he rolled. And then he got up and he ran into the, <laughs> was running into the pine, so I shot again. And then I got up and uh, made a pretty quick sprint. <laughs> it was not the word that I would use, but. Oh, I, I peeked around the corner and I thought there was a, a, a Olympic sprint going on. <laughs> Hussein Bolt was out in front and Doug was right behind him. So I tear down to where that turkey went up into the trees and there, it's a pine plantation. So there's rows, you know, and I can see that bird up there. So, and now he's further. So I raise the shotgun up a little bit further and I shoot again. And I only had three shells in the gun. Trying to lob one in. I tried. Well, I mean. I thought you guys were in a gunfight with a neighboring landowner. <laughs> so, okay. Now I, I, I actually grabbed dirt, grabbed a pocket full of shells and started going up there. I was going to come up and be like, I'll teach you to be shooting at my friends. We need some help up here. So now I've shot three times, and when I shot at the bird the three times, he, the third time he disappeared into that into, into the next strip, but I'm out of my, – my gun is empty. So I reach into the vest – and I'm trying to jam shells into the thing. And, you know, you're, I'm, I was really excited. I mean, it was a big bird. He's, you know. So I jam shells in, and I'm, you know, realizing two things, that I think this bird just got away, and I may have pulled my hamstring. <laughs> and so and I'm starting to limp a little bit, and I, I look up the hill, and I kind of go back and forth a little bit, looking up the different pine rows, and now I see this bird, and he's heading for the, the uh, south west corner of the of the pines do you think he was thinking that i'm gonna head toward the southwest corner of the pines? <laughs> he was thinking i'm gonna get out of here but he was limping too <laughs> so he was kind of he wasn't he was not at his best i can tell you that and so i i made my way over a couple of more rows and moved up the hill closer to where he was and it was almost up that's 14 acres and he was almost to the top of that 14 acres and then when he stepped out i shot him and and Blouch, blouch, and finished him. And when I cleaned that bird, I think I hit him all four times, just not very well any of those times. Yeah. Well, the last time I hit him good enough, but but yeah, that was. Yeah, it sounds bad, you know. Some people might be thinking, "Man, oh, all th that that's shooting, chasing after a bird." Yeah, I'm thinking that. When it happens, you don't always make the perfect shot. And when a turkey gets back up and starts going, you you have to just. Do whatever it takes oh, at that point. Yeah, they don't no, leave. What are you gonna do? You're not gonna like. Yeah, you gotta go. Yeah, you gotta go after it. Listen, if everyone was super concerned about the well-being of the turkey, you wouldn't shoot you at it in the first place. <laughs> so it's like, it's like at that point, yeah, they're gonna like let it run off, crippled up. I also had that one second when I shot because I've never had one run off before. When he rolled, I had that second. That second of. <laughs> Got mm -hmm. it. Yeah. And then, shit, he's running into the... Dude, I'll tell you, a seasoned turkey hunter... He's got that second shell right yeah, there. Yeah, but I like I, I catch myself. They go down so dramatically that I catch myself now and then, you know, like, not doing it. But I've hunted turkeys with a lot of other guys. They, they shoot, and they're racking that second round, and they're already up and walking 
before the turkey's head even hits the ground. Oh yeah, that's right. They storm right that turkey. Yeah, because they've lived through that you rolled it, and and years ago, one of the first turkey hunts I went on, we were hunting on a very steep mountainside, and I pasted a turkey, called in with a box call, shot it, it went down. We're all excited because we we're just starting to figure out turkey hunting. I actually called in a turkey. Turn back just in time to watch that turkey set its wings and take off, never to be seen again. Wow. Well, I racked another shell right And then away. I'm like, all right, from now on, when I shoot turkey, <laughs> I'm, I'm watching the turkey. Well, I, I mean, that's what I did. I, you know, I mean, that's just yeah, hunt, no, you that's did just hunting. No, you did everything right. But yeah, that's how I am. I mean, I touched that trigger, and uh, aside from making a bad shot and lifting your head off the gun too quickly... But yeah, as soon as I know I've hit him, I mean I'm out of that sea and running towards him. Yeah, I don't get up as quickly as you guys do though either. I mean, so I kind of got to get to my knee and then up. No, it depends how close. Because if the turkey, like the Jake I shot today, was close. Oh, he didn't have a chance. Yeah. Well, no, but I mean besides that, like I don't need to get up and run over there. Yeah. I could from a seated position. He, I, he's got 25 yards to cover before he's out of range. Right. Yeah. So if I just yeah. Right? I don't good. need to, like, he can stand up. I, like, he stands up. I, I have seconds of his, you know. Well, and so I had that, I, and sort of like the second of, well, maybe I let him go to Yanni. I had that second of, oh, I got him. But, and, you know, but I'm got the next shell in and I'm, I'm getting up. And it happened that fast where he's going into the tree, you know, he's going into the pines. He was like, but I, I had shot him again as he had a happy ending. Up. And it had a happy ending. Not for him, for you for Dern. Yep. Now, Doug was so impressed. He said, from now on, if Yanni told him that <laughs> we're going out naked, <laughs> Doug would say, hold on a minute while I strip down. <laughs> Can't he's we stay like, clothed until he's we get like, out He's like, when there. the eagle tells me to do something, I do it. Well... I that's that I, I did say that and <laughs> which makes me a tad that I don't which makes me a tad jealous. Makes you wonder if I want to see Yanni naked. It makes me a little <laughs> jealous. It makes me a little jealous. Um so the last turkey we have to talk about. And there's a uh, this is an unfinished no matter what we do here this is an unfinished story because me and Yanni are heading back out into the woods. Right quick here. Um so who knows where to go? But the last turkey we have to talk about. I went out this morning. So, all right. Dirt and I, I'm going to try to do this quick. Me and Dirt went out last night to check out a different property down the road owned by a friend, a family friend. Not my family friend, Doug's. And we get out there, and he's like, you know what I would do is I would go and take a look up there and, and have a look-see. And I even kicked around not grabbing my scatter gun. Yeah. Because we're just going to go up and try to roost one. No, yeah, I'll grab a shotgun. And we get up to a spot, and I rip out a power crow. Caw, caw. And he, a bird gobbles not far away at all. So we kind of moved over a little bit. Yeah. Didn't do a decoy closer. and all that shit. Just got set up. Because I was like, this bird's going to come. It's that time of day. And I start hand calling, and he just starts triple gobbling he's like shot gobbling himself yeah i thought it was multiple birds just like it was so much gobbling his ass off but he's got a hen with him and they're coming through the woods just out of range going down 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 and i can't figure out he will not peel off that hen and all of a sudden the hen it's evening and all of a sudden the hen flies up into a roost tree oh i was gonna ask you it's a good reminder what time 
did they roost? I'm very interested in that. Early. Yeah, seven, Before six sunset? thirty. Yeah. Oh, for sure. No. No. The sun was set, but it was. So seven thirty or something. Yeah. 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 Seven. Seven thirty. She flew up in a tree, but here's the thing. I now question what I thought. She, I, I mean, absolutely, she flew up in a tree, but I remember being surprised at how low the limb was that she landed on. I remember thinking, like, wow, that's weird that she's, like, they roost higher than that, right? Yeah, well, I think they hop limbs sometimes. Yeah, so I caught, they get down, and he's gobbling his face off, and he's full strut down in the woods on a steep slope, which is not like a normal, like, strut area, and she flies up to a limb, a dead snag, and he's on the ground. And I'm thinking, and then I'm wondering, like, is it possible to call a gobbler away from, like, a hen up in a tree? And he just carries on and gobbles and gobbles and gobbles and gobbles and gobbles. And all of a sudden, he just goes quiet. And by the time it's dusky, goes quiet. And then I hear a loud branch snap. And I felt, oh, he jumped into his tree. He's up there too, and they're just going to work their way up into that roost. So we belly crawl out of there, and then we come back in the pre-dawn darkness and get set up, not anywhere near them, but like up on the little ridge top where they might go to, get set up, morning comes on, start scratching out a couple uh, hen calls, and the, the, the roost, the, 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 roosting birds that were gobbling were not gobbling from that tree no so i don't know if when we belly crawled out of there they we bumped them well but there was other uh other gobblers there's four gobblers this morning yeah but no one was gobbling from that tree from that area Hmm. but could have they like you said you had mentioned maybe he actually peeled that's what i think i think that when i now when i look at it i think she jumped up in that limb and then there was enough disturbance with us calling, him carrying on, us belly crawling out of there, I think they still had enough daylight. I think they moved. Yeah. I think they went down and hopped into a different roost tree further down the hill. Or they were just absolutely dead silent this morning. So we're calling this morning, and we're hearing Goblin, and they Finchy, we can tell they kind of flew down, and then all of a sudden, blouch, some guy shoots right by us. Which so could have been close that. Yeah. that I could hear his bird flopping around on the ground. We left. Come back here and get Doug, who's running around doing farm chore activities. Get him. Go up the hill. Stretch out his hamstring. Stretch out his, he wants to stretch his hamstring. Walk over to a neighboring property. Blow a power crow. In my ear. In Doug's ear. Doug shot gobbles. A turkey. <laughs> another turkey shot gobbles. Get all set up. Start scratching out some hen calls, and he doesn't show up, but a giant pack of jakes shows up. That was hysterical. Like a bunch of them. And they come running in wanting to slaughter my decoy, and I shot one. (laughs) But it's an incomplete story, because I wish I had more turkey permits, because I have more ideas than there are tags left. But Yanni. I'll say it publicly. You can come back. I'd like to have you come back, you know. Because I don't want you to be incomplete in your turkey hunting here. I will come back. As long as Johnny comes back with you. That's the only condition. Well, 
Doug. <laughs> hey, man, you're still only at a B. Yeah, Dirt. Yesterday, Dirt, a chipmunk no, comes no, running no, along. No, no, I, no, A chipmunk no, comes no. running along, and Dirt's like, there's a squirrel. I saw a flash. And it hops up a new tree, and I'm like, oh, that's a chipmunk, Dirt. And Dirt's like, and then Dirt spreads his hands out like two feet <laughs> apart and goes, no, what I saw coming was this long. Now, and I'm like, but where is it now? Because Dirt, it's five feet from me. Garrett recently had LASIK, <laughs> and I'm I'm wondering. They tweaked Maybe I asked for some money back. <laughs> well, his eyes just haven't adjusted. Thank you, Yanni. Well, that's yeah. what I've been. No, but he, he wouldn't. He, never he wouldn't give up on it. I'm like, Dirt, that's a chipmunk. He's like, No, it must have been two. He like it must have been a chipmunk and a squirrel come <laughs> running <laughs> right down next to you, next chipmunk, to you. We're just hanging wrestling. on to that squirrel's yes, tail. They're farm wrestling, and he's like, and now only the chipmunks here, and you didn't see what I saw, and like won't give it up. I gave it up though fairly quick after that. I did, I did try. It was like three tries before you finally gave That's it up. True. <laughs> well, one more condition would be that that dirt came along with you. Or was allowed to come along Well, don't, don't make it too tricky for me to ever fulfill the, <laughs> like, the situation. Well, I can't just come out here with my kids? Well, yeah, you can come out here with your kids, too. I was describing... You know what? I was on the phone with my boy this morning. Uh, he'll be seven in a couple of days here. And I was describing to him the kind of... He says, was it in the woods or in the field? Ooh. And I said, well, we're in an area that's sort of mixed woodlots and farmland. And he goes, is it like where we hunted with Doug? <laughs> and I said, it is, Doug. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, so he remembers. And, and oh, that, I just like that he's asking, like, those are savvy questions. No, it is, yeah. No, he's a, he's, he's a hunter. He's going to be a hunter, man. He's real curious about animals. Um, very, very curious about animals. Now, Yanni, we're going to go out in the woods. I have a hunt plan. The big you, might have, you have your own hunt plan. Yeah, I think we are in agreement. Agreement? Is that a word? Durkin, is that a word? No. <laughs> I think we're I in like agree- it, agreement. I like it. There's two kinds. Of, are you familiar with that? That there's a that there's a descriptive approach to language and a in a in a prescriptive approach to language. Uh-huh. So some dictionaries are descriptive in nature that they want to capture. Oh, Yanni just pulled it up. What website? I just didn't have the confidence. No. Yeah. Nice. Dictionary.com. Pulled up at a better dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> no. Go to, like, go to, no, hey, hey, go to, go to Webster's. <laughs> pulled up on Webster's.com. So, Yanni just pulled it up on what... This is perfect because it tells what I'm saying. Yanni just pulled it up on what would be known as a descriptive dictionary. So, a descriptive dictionary is like, our job is to tell you how to use the language. Our job is to capture how the language is used. A prescriptive dictionary is telling you how to use the language. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, um, agreeance is like so, someone might say, "I feel that it was a successful, it was a successful use of the language." We're not, we're not in agreeance. Everyone knew what he was talking about. It worked. He got his point across. That's what language is here for: is to facilitate communication. So even though we may but have other people it was be correct. like, it's like ain't right. Like I teach my kids, I'm like, use ain't, hmm. just use it. And my wife has a prescriptive approach, and she's like, it's just try to shy away from ain't. <laughs> like don't go out of your like. Mm-hmm. Uh, contrary to what your father's telling you, don't go out of your way to say ain't. Mm-hmm. But I like to uh, I like that tension in the language, of of um, 
good word choice and, and shitty word choice all rolled in together. <laughs> Because it creates the same tension that you get when you have a modern home with with antlers in it. Wow, that's interesting. Way to bring that around. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. it's all about full circle. Yeah, and consistency. Yeah, and I think well, you do that in your writing also. You know, when I think about it, tension. Was, well, yeah. So I, what do I like about Steve Miller's like, writing? My beloved friend Doug, with whom I've passed many an autumn day, <laughs> is such a freaking right. No. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right, next, oh, you know, I got a final. Oh, here, can I, do, I, I want to do my concluder first. If you Please. like turkeys and you like turkey hunting and you're curious about turkeys, you should go and join and lend your support to the National Wild Turkey Federation. Yeah. Some people might be like, oh, yeah, but they already did all the work because there's turkeys everywhere. But it's like, it's not like. We're in the good old days of turkeys right now, but there's no real reason to think when you look at the ebb and flow. If there's no reason to think that we're going to remain in the good old days of turkeys, there's going to be disease issues, habitat issues, l legal issues, right? Like attacks on the very culture of hunting, um, access issues. Like, do you have a way to get on the land? The sure there's turkeys everywhere. If there's nowhere to, if you can't get on the ground to hunt them, you got a problem. Um, I, I would, I always join. I, I, I. I I'm a member of National Wild Turkey Federation. Yeah, I think right now they have a thing going. Uh, you already are a member. They have a thing called Turkey Karma going, I think. that uh, For like 10 bucks, you can buy like a Turkey Karma coin and you get to put it on your Instagram account or something. But it's just, you know, a little extra. Just way. showing you're kicking in a little money for Turks. Yeah, yeah. So if, if, every, if all of us did that 10 bucks this spring, you know. No, if you're some guy way. and you've been out hunting turkeys for the last 10 years and haven't pitched in a dime, like pay up man because the reason you're hunting turkeys i like most places in the, unless you live in the swamps of alabama or south carolina or something the you're if you're hunting turkeys right now you're hunting turkeys because that organization mm -hmm. and damn sure if you're hunting turkeys in one of the many many states that never had turkeys if you're hunting turkeys in one of the eight states that now has a turkey season that historically had no turkeys pay up that's my thought Doug? Well, I agree with that. Uh, but if you hunt or live in the Casnovia area... Don't hunt turkeys. No, hunt turkeys <laughs> and, and support our little local organization. Oh, Cas Turkey the Busters. The Cas Turkey Busters. All that bunch of good friends who are a part of that. And we do all kinds of good stuff in the area. Um, Trying to help Turks out. Not just Turks, but just kind of helping wildlife and... and uh, we stock, uh, we buy and stock walleyes and stuff in the in the lake in Casnovia. Um, do good things for the community and support uh, landowners and and turkeys and whatnot. And there are members who belong both the Cas Turkey Busters and to the National Wild Turkey Federation. But so if you're in, Ka if you're one of the three people in the Casanova area, I think we've got like up to half a dozen members. I mean, it's a which it's is actually good, that's, like, good that's like 50 percent of the town <laughs> and they're all they're, no they're it's it's a really nice group of people some from uh just folks who outside of casanova yeah outside of casanovia <laughs> um and uh but uh, uh, now i would join a group called the casanova turkey busters <laughs> well i just want to say a lot of good friends and and really good uh good times with those guys and very give me a serious for instance, turkey can you give me a for instance of what is a thing that the Kaz turkey busters what would be a thing that they've done for turkeys yeah uh, food plot installations um specific to turkeys okay you know corn and sorghum and 
and that sort of stuff. Um, and encouraging landowners by uh, we have a party every summer, um, but encouraging landowners to allow people to access their property, you know, with permission. And if if that's happening, then we invite them to this party. We have a nice, really nice party every summer that's for cool. the local landowners. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, it is. Cas Turkey Busters. It's I don't a give heck a shit of a group of live. people, yeah. If you live in Reno, join up. <laughs> <laughs> Pat? Um, I think 30 the... bucks stuffed on the wall. <laughs> and, <laughs> and here's what he has to say for and, including and, thought. And two turkeys and two antelope <laughs> or two pronghorns. Um, the thing I think is coolest about turkey hunting, we did it today again, was it's a low-tension hunt compared to, like, deer hunting. Deer hunting tends to be such Oh, uh, I don't know who you've been hunting turkeys with. <laughs> low-tension? Yeah, I th- no. Dude, I, I boil it, with rage out there. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm tracking. It, it's, I'm tracking. It's, it's a fun thing that what hurts me a little bit is I think I never realized how important it was to have a good, good hunting partner with turkey hunting because I, I used to always go with my daughter Leah when she was around from the time she was about... 10 years old when she couldn't hunt to the time she went off to the Navy, which was like 12 years later. Always had this good little partner, and she had great, she has great hearing. And my hearing is really off. My left ear is not very good. My right ear is From okay. shooting guns with she no was hearing Shooting protection. guns, yeah. yeah. And so it was really cool to always have this little guide with me almost. And then um, when she went off and left the, left the Navy, my interest in turkey hunting just really wasn't all that, all that strong. You lost your body. I, I, yeah. And I think I don't. I didn't have that problem with deer hunting or elk hunting. I still love it. I, mean, I, I, I can go by myself all the time, not think twice about it. Then, like with Yanni, the last day and a half is really cool again to be around someone that has good sharp hearing, good sharp. Uh, my eyesight's pretty good, but it was just. It reminded me how much fun it was to hear that gobble. You got get, a taste of the eagle, oh, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I was wondering so if your Yanni. daughter would think that she had a good hunting partner. Um, I actually addressed that in my in my father of the bride speech. Oh yeah, that she took one for the team. Yeah, you know yeah. she Leah was Leah was great that way. She um she had talk about uh, her like she's dead. No, well when the kid she's goes dead out, to you. No, <laughs> she, she joined the navy. She got married, married. the non-hunter. Right, she, she married the non-hunter. <laughs> she 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 moved away. And no, I, I shouldn't talk that way that way. But it is the sentimental side of me that misses that. And, yeah, yeah. and I get, you know, she'll come back for, for deer hunting because that's still probably her favorite thing to do. But she, she only has so much time left to, to do things. You know, she has, she has to work for a living. And so she doesn't get to come back for the spring hunt. But like Yas and I were walking around today and you think, what a wonderful time to be in the woods. Oh, yeah. And, oh, my God. It's beautiful yeah. around here, man. Yeah. So Dude, that, this is like, if I, if I had a job like to paint uh, like butter packages and shit like that, I would just come out here. Or like paint, like if someone said, hey man, paint a painting for the front of a milk jug. I'd come out here and paint this area mm-hmm. this time of year. Yeah. Beautiful. It's yeah. not like when you come here and the snow is blowing sideways and you can't <laughs> right, get the, right. can't get the like, screen door open. Was, and, really, yeah, but like yeah. right now, it's like, holy shit, yeah. it's gorgeous, man. Yeah. yeah. You know, deer hunting, it's always this kind of this endurance element yeah. there that you just have oh, to yeah, endure. It's like, it's like these very like, these like valleys and all these openings and pastures yeah. and like woodlots and everything. it's just beautiful. Yeah. Big picturesque and, and the barns canopy everywhere. Right now in the trees, if you took away the greenness of the meadows, the canopy is almost as colorful as it is in the fall. Yeah. yeah. I mean there's beautiful. reds and oranges, all kinds of greens. 
Dude, it's gorgeous around here, man. It makes where I'm from look like ugly. And I thought, you know, it's a good looking area, but man. You mean in Michigan where you're from? Yeah, but what you guys have going for you is is the topography. Yeah. You have, yeah. Val- you have like discernible valleys and stuff. The driftless area. Yeah. So that was my concluding thought, and it's fun to good. be here again. Well, please come back. Dirt, what's your concluder? I want to get out no, turkey hunting. I'm not hunting. letting you go last. Because I'm I'm punishing you about the chipmunk squirrel thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I won't make that mistake again. And I do want a turkey hunt now. I don't know if this season because we're going we're going to be away f- for work again. But I do want a turkey hunt, and I want to want to take either a, a Jake or a Hand. Tom. Right? <laughs> 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 what was his name? Edward. Don't kill Edward. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was your conclude. That's your, that's your concluder. You're say, fired up. I say when we get Dirt's done with up. our next shoot, we'll have four days left in Montana turkey Take dirt season. out, man. No, but I was telling you, and you guys are gonna ostracize me for this. <laughs> it's boating season. All the rivers are swelled up and rapidly. That's the other reason I'm not letting dirt go last. Is <laughs> last year dirt like it's like the, it's like elk season. So I give dirt a rifle. Give him a bunch of ammunition. I'm like, here I you go, Dirt. The rifle. I di- I'm like, here, go, go get him, Dirt. Because he had some time off. Like so two days. elk season opens up, and it's not like Dirt couldn't go into the mountains. Dirt goes into the mountains during elk season into elk country to go ice climb. Because it was a unique. And I'm like, <laughs> what in the like, <laughs> Yeah, he's like, oh, it's this once-in-a-lifetime thing or this little icy area. So... He's up, like, walking up to ice climb up in the mountains, passing by him, bullshitting with elk hunters. I'm like, how could you do that? I'm spoiled. I get to do a lot of, you know, observation of the beauty of hunting for work. So when I'm off work. We should maybe cut him off on the uh, the free teat of milk or uh, of meat that comes out of, out of the meat eater shoots. Yeah, because Dirt always gets a cut of the meat. Yeah, that's what. And we'll tell Because I pack and help with it. His old lady's been probably killing more stuff the last couple of years than he has, so he's got meat at home. He doesn't have to go home. Yeah, Dirt's old lady went out and shot a, shot a buck all by herself in the freezing yeah. cold. And what's the weird part about that is that was one of the rare days when Dirt actually went hunting, but he went hunting with other people elsewhere. Well, not hunted with... <laughs> <laughs> so his girlfriend, who'd never hunted before, is out hunting by herself while Dirt's like off hunting with other guys in another spot, and she kills a buck. Well, I got a buck that same day, but... Yeah, I should have been with she her. She had to bring a book with her to figure out how to gut it. Pictures of your book. <laughs> oh, no, man. we had we had went together a handful of times that year. You had already gone together. Yeah. All right. And we had a blast. But. All right, Yanni, what's your concluding thought? Real, real quick, another reason to pass on the Jake early in the hunt <laughs> is that Lenny Longbeard. <laughs> A.K.A. Rope Dragger. <laughs> A.K.A. Tommy. A.K.A. Has Boss a, Tom. Has a much higher... Um, <laughs> Lenny Rope Dragger. <laughs> <laughs> Lenny oh, Longbeard. Lenny Longbeard. Lenny yeah, Longbeard. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Yeah. Uh, Ronnie Rope Dragger. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we are learning about alliteration the other day with the kids. Anyways. Um, That'll be a good book. Dirt on alliteration. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways. <laughs> Like, we weighed some birds this week, right? We should have weighed the uh, the processed, like the take-home meat. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Doug's Jake is a 
Power Jake comes in at uh, 15 and a half. Both your birds are 25. This was, was 25. 25 plus. This was sub 25. Yeah. You're talking about 10 more pounds on there. The feathers don't weigh that much. No, no. It's a lot more meat. Yeah. Tough meat. My brother Danny. I'm just talking about my brother. Listen. I shoot, know. Don't shoot the messenger. My brother Danny <laughs> uh, targets Jake's because he thinks the meat's better. Yeah. Go ahead. I think if you prepare it right, I think you'd have a hard time telling personally. But we did. That Jake meat came off. That Jake meat came off the smoker, and you could just gnaw into that thigh like it was a chicken. So go ahead with your concluding thought. Put that in your concluding thought. <laughs> that that Jake was brined for twenty four hours, then smoked on low heat for. Three plus, plus hours, hours, very well prepared. Might have something to do with the way it ate. Um, eh. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, my family and I, did one breast off of a mature gobbler the other day, turkey nugget style, and uh, we had leftovers. And we were, it was the first turkey family nuggets for one turkey breast. Yeah, and we were, you know, we were. It was the first turkey nuggets of the year. People were excited. I mean, the kids were eating them right out of the fryer. Then we sat down, had dinner, and like I was sick to, you know, from eating too many, and we had leftovers. Yeah, didn't so, we just have? We only used half a breast for the schnitzel. Yeah, and that was five. We dudes. used one. Breast. One, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, half. Yeah, when I say that half, is I mean the. Be- I think if like of all oh. turkey dishes, schnitzel with panko and lemons. And then a little potato salad, vinegary potato salad. Just co- like the coleslaw or potato salad? Potato salad, because that's what those mugs and Austria. I used to go to an Austrian restaurant mm. and I would get the Wiener sh- or some kind of schnitzel. They schnitzeled every damn thing they got their hands on over there. <laughs> and they would schnitzel out, I don't know what, pork? Wherever those boys like the schnitzel eyes. They would schnitzel it and serve yeah, it with the potato salad. Common so that's what I started doing with my Turks. And holy mackerel is that good it is um all right yanni we gotta get back in the woods that's a wrap thanks you for people listening. will never know what happened <laughs> <laughs> blouch Two-thirds of Americans are at risk of experiencing an electrical blackout. You could be one of them, sitting in the dark and cold for hours, for days, maybe even weeks. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. These things are sweet because this generator has double the capacity and is expandable. Go to 4patriots.com slash meat eater to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4patriots.com slash meat eater. This show is sponsored in part by BetterHelp. It is a simple truth. 
No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that they need and that meets them where they are and helps them get through challenges. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible. It's simple to use. You can connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.